All right, and welcome everybody to episode 67 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. This time around, we are going to get into some God of War. But before that, uh, let's get started with just the find out who's what. But I've unfortunately, we've got some sad news. And uh, that is, uh, Bill couldn't be with us tonight. Uh, Bill had some family issues that came up that he had yeah. to deal with. Uh, I think everybody's going to be okay, but he's got to take care of some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, a little. Somebody sounds like somebody got banged up a little bit. Maybe <laughs> nerves were nerves were frayed, but um, you know, the word sounds like it's just they need some family time. So, yeah, um, we're sad that Bill's not here with us. You know, he had played through God of War, which we're going to talk about today uh, a while back. So we, we're going to miss his input, but maybe next time around he can share some thoughts. Yeah, throw his two cents in the start of next episode. Yeah, absolutely. So besides that, Kelsey, what you been up to? Oh, more more gaming this last little two weeks. Um, more Sackboy with my daughter, which we finished. We we beat the game. We've gone back a couple times just to you know clean up some other stuff because she still wants to play and she likes to unlock the new costumes and stuff. So I'm sure we'll we'll be plucking away at that for a little while. Um, I think I mentioned last show that I was starting on Bandit Kings of Ancient China. Yeah, I think so. Yes, and so I finished that one, and it was weird koei game for the <laughs> nes like most of them you're you're trying to take over a certain amount of territory um like nobunaga's ambition you're trying to take over japan to like unify it and romance of the three kingdoms you're trying to unify china so so there's like a big map and you have to control every single province on the map to win those games um so in bandit kings it, it has a really similar map where it's got all of china but you're you're these little you can pick from one of four different um, like groups of bandits, and there's like an evil overlord who's grown so strong he's he's challenging the emperor, and the emperor doesn't like that, so he wants to send one of these bandits to defeat him as like his proxy. But he just he won't just send anyone. You have to have like the this popularity high enough that the people kind of cheer for you and back you and then eventually the emperor will give you this proclamation and once you have the proclamation then you're allowed to fight the bad guy you can't fight him before that if you try to it says like you can't do that the emperor won't allow it so instead of just trying to conquer territory you're trying to build up all your territories um so that the people are happy enough that you have them over a certain threshold and then you have to have enough territories or you can like hunt these uh like wild beasts attack every couple of years just it's like a random battle thing so you can hunt them to up your popularity too but it took like a super super long time like i felt like <laughs> like four hours like i'm like okay I, I got an army it's placed right next to the bad guy like i can win <laughs> this game now and it just wouldn't let me fight him and so like, i didn't quite understand how to get the proclamation or the, what they call it the imperial edict from the emperor um because every turn it would say like uh, we were the nine dragons. So he'd be like, nine dragons is looking pretty good this year. And I was like, does that mean I have it? And I'd try and fight and say, no, you can't fight them. <laughs> and then, so you have to wait a full year, like 12 month cycles to see if you get the pro the edict, the next round. And I, I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't. And then, so I had to look it up. I'm like, what do I have to do? And it's like, th there's like a, a hidden 
math behind how you get it. So you have to like, you get 12 points if you have more than this amount of popularity in this territory, but you have to have 250 total points. You have to like count up all your territories and then the, the hunts that you've done, you can add on top of that to reduce the amount of territories you need. So I ended up having like half the map because that just seemed to be the easiest route. <laughs> and uh, yeah, when, once I got it, it was like, boom, like one month. Like, <laughs> let's just take this guy out. So it was weird, Koei game, a little bit different than the other ones because you had to pay more attention to how happy your people were. Where in all the other ones, I didn't care. It's like, you give me the tax money, I will sell your rice wherever I need it. <laughs> Revolt all you want. <laughs> as long as I own the territory, it doesn't matter how happy you are. You were definitely the evil overlord before. Yeah, yeah, just whatever <laughs> got it done quickest kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah. And so, um, what's the next Koei game up? Uh, I'm going to take a little Koei break because I did like both the Nobunagas and Bandit Kings like back to back to back. Oh yeah, okay. So I'll come to Uncharted Waters in a month or two. Alright. So some pirate goodness, and I love how much you love pirates. <laughs> and I still have pirates too. I've been holding off on both of those. So Oh, good for you! I might just suck it up and do them both at once. <laughs> I expect you to wear your frilly shirt. Yeah, or my fluffy boy. <laughs> um, I beat Fire Emblem Three Houses, which I've been slowly plugging away at since uh, just before Christmas. And... It's okay. Like the, the the story and the characters are really good. Like some of the best in Fire Emblem I've ever played. But ever since Awakening, they've kind of trended to this gameplay that I don't like where you can like grind in between missions and there's like little submissions and stuff and they just they're they're fluff. They're so boring all the submissions. And because you can you can grind them out and you're expected to in some cases to complete quests and things, then your team's like super leveled up like there's no even in the final fight it was like i have no worry that anything's gonna kill me here like i have like four or five guys that are basically invincible and you just send them (laughs) out wherever you want and they just meat shield everything so i I like the older ones where you kind of have to be a lot more strategic and you have a very limited amount of resources so you kind of have to decide you know can i lose this guy here if i'm going to try and keep him alive i'm going to really have to tweak my strategy to get him through this and I like that kind of Fire Emblem better, which I don't think are ever going to happen again, unfortunately. I was going to say, do you think they're just trying to appeal too much to the story and character side of things? Like, And, and our players are going to be really unhappy if their character dies, so let's just make that very yeah, difficult and for like them to happen. Yeah, and like they added a whole bunch of like social element stuff, which is kind of neat. Um, but yeah, I think Three Houses is the best-selling Fire Emblem of all time, and I think Awakening was before that. And so it's trending in a way that people obviously like, but it's not the way that the old ones were. This kind of seems to be um, like a I've lot of franchises Star from Nintendo of kind of getting into some of that, right? I've been playing some Star Force on the NES as well, which is ridiculously hard. Um, been at it for almost a week now, and I've got about halfway through as my best run, which I've done a couple times. I, I seem to have the sticking point on like the 13th, 14th stages. So I'm hoping after that they don't get any harder once I figure out how to do those ones. Yeah, those games are really tough. Um, the, I mean, I've... They're so long. That's that's the thing that makes them really tough. 
Like, and they're not like the most exciting shooters in the whole world either. It's not like you're like, whoa, this is awesome. You're just kind of like, okay, here's some more stuff I got to shoot through, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like the the movement's actually pretty good, and the shooting's not terrible. There's literally there's one power up that you can get, and that's it. There's nothing else you really need to know about the game. Um, it seems like I just kind of need a really lucky run too, because different enemy patterns come out in different stages, and I think I figured out how to deal with most of them pretty sufficiently. But then when you get to the later stages, sometimes two enemy types will come out at the same time. And depending which two come out, they're brutal. Some some of them that come out, they kind of work against each other and they like pool all their bullets in the same spots and things that are easy to dodge. But other ones are just, you know, they're coming from the bottom and the top at the same time and they're both firing like all cylinders and now, is it RNG based or is it um, just patterns? I think so. I think it's RNG based because I've I've watched a bunch of videos and I've played through a bunch now, and it seems like they're just all sorts of different stuff in different times. I, I can't figure out uh, what's causing the different enemies to come out. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about some of those shooters and things, um, because since the Famicom was out so much earlier in Japan, like a lot of those were you know came out like around or pre like nes launch so by the time we got them they were pretty pretty old and i found this out when i was watching videos and stuff apparently the famicom version is easier they made the us one harder so lucky me that seemed to happen a lot um (laughs) except for rpgs for whatever reason they thought we were too stupid for rpgs but uh you know action games wrong though yeah yeah well it's rentals in the rental market and all that yeah. too right i mean i know playing like the ninja guide end games and you play the famicom version you're like oh okay this is <laughs> this is okay <laughs> and you're like i had to like break my fingers as a kid to try to make it through these things but oh man oh very good so what else is going on um based on the conversation i had with you guys last time i watched raised by wolves on your recommendation and so have have you seen the whole series now i've seen the whole first season i think that's it that's all it's out right now is that right that is so okay (laughs) spoiler alerts people very clear spoiler alerts i'm I'm not going to give everything away but i do want to have some conversation so what i'm going to do i'm going to tell everybody right now I am going to say we're going to put the Raised by Wolves talk at the end of the show. So after we close out the show, and when Kelsey has it, we'll just we'll record it at the end too. Okay. So, you know, that when he puts the show together. That way, if you don't want the spoilers for Raised by Wolves, just end the show when we do our normal goodbyes. If you want to hear our thoughts about that, if you've already watched the season, then hang around. Because I, I would like to talk a little bit about that show too. Sounds good. Um, the Lighthouse that Bill recommended was super bizarre it was not (laughs) i've not seen it but i've heard i've heard it's uh interesting i i heard it was interesting too but i thought i had a totally different perception of what kind of interesting it was gonna be how much male nudity do you like kelsey uh there's actually not that much there's one scene that's like burned into my mind where (laughs) the foe is like buck naked it's like holding um wow what's his name uh patterson by the throat, staring at him like buck naked, and his eyes are like the lighthouse. They're like beaming at him, and it's, it's a really <laughs> haunting image. But Willem Dafoe's an, a handsome man, so you know. Yeah, he's got a weird body, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. 
You've seen like some of it, like in like Spider Man and stuff. Like he's shirtless on the table. He's just got a weird proportions to him. <laughs> Please forgive us, Mister Defoe. Don't come and eat our souls. Yeah, but no, it was entertaining. I'm glad I watched it. I don't think I understood it. I need to talk to Bill a little bit about it. But I'll do so that maybe after. maybe next episode there'll be a spoiler at the end on on <laughs> the lighthouse, but. Uh... Yeah. Um, I'm su- I'm surprised that you took some of those to heart so much with like the videos and because yeah. the other day I mean those that don't know if you everybody follows on Twitter I was I watched uh, a couple of 80s flicks I watched uh, 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 Romancing the Stone and Jewel and Nile which Man. Romancing the Stone yes yeah, still holds up still good still fun Jewel and Nile oh my goodness it's really terrible really really <laughs> terrible. Everything that's bad about 80s movies. But anyway, but when I put that out there, you're like, I'm going to add that to my list. I'm thinking like, are you really going to watch Romancing the Stone? If I see it on one of the streaming things, why not? Try it out okay. again. Like, well, it was I, on Amazon. So I've got that. I don't, I don't, our Amazon's a little different up here. So I'll have to check and see if it's here. But yeah, we were watching it as a kid because my parents had the VHS for it. And I remember just thinking it was really boring as a kid, but I was like probably 10, 12 in that range when I watched it. I mean, it's, it's like a romantic Indiana Jones-ish kind of move. It's more on the romance side. So I could see as a kid, yeah, you'd be like, okay, this sucks. Yeah. Well, there's There should be more like shooting guys and stuff, right? <laughs> Ninjas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, there's not a lot of... There is some action scenes, but you can tell where it gets its, its ideas, but um, kind of takes a different idea with it, uh, with where it goes. I just I like seeing what you guys are into. Kind of, I don't know. Bill's been sending me like uh, Tool playlists lately. The band, okay. Uh, which I've never heard like anything they've done, and it's one of his favorite bands. So he's he's trying to introduce me to them, and he's sending me like a, uh, like the the playlist, and then a little like blurb. Like this is why I put this song on the playlist. Um, it's really interesting because you know the drummer does this in it, and, and this is what the singer was talking about. And it's really neat to just like get into you know, Bill's mindset a little bit with it. Now, do you get to share your metal playlists and will he listen to those too? I'm, I'm not going to push him unless he asks, but uh, <laughs> I'm just having fun going through his tool list. No expectations. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, um, yeah, unless you ask, I won't share my music recommendations with you either. <laughs> uh, speaking of music recommendations, we've got a, uh, a digital piano in our house a few days ago. It was an early uh, birthday gift for my wife. Does it so, have Miracle printed on the top? Or I wish. I'm, I'm trying, <laughs> working on something with that. Hopefully hopefully in an episode or two I'll have one of those to talk about. But uh, So I've been trying to learn piano over the last couple of days. I'm learning a new instrument. Uh, so the first gaming song I'm trying to pick out is uh, Matoya's Cave from the original Final Fantasy. Okay. All You'd right. recognize it if you heard it. That I don't know if the name gets thrown out there often, but they've remixed it in a bunch of the games, I think. It's really mm. good. Yeah, I'm sure if I heard it. I'm trying to think like right now, what I'm thinking of is like the town song and the overworld song, but I'm not. It's like, not... Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I'm plugging away at that. Like I've never played piano in my life before, so it's really slow. I've got like an app I've been learning on, and um, you know I'm just learning chords and what the keys are called and that kind of stuff. I'm trying to get my hands coordinated together. 
Maddie, my daughter, has also been doing. She's uh, She asked for a ukulele for Christmas, which we got her, and then she's been teaching herself some piano. So she's kind of doing some of that stuff in lockdown time, too, some of your kindred souls. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, I finally finished every one of those new Batman books that I bought. Wow. So yeah. I started something non-Batman for the first time in months, and I started reading Hardcore Gaming 101's uh, Guide to Shin Megami Tensei and Persona. Okay. It's awesome. It's All right. exactly what I wanted when I bought a book about Shimagami Tensei and Persona. It's like a chronological list of like every single game in the series and it's got like a really cool write up about uh what the game's about, uh who it's starring, like a little bit on the plot, but not enough that there's like end game spoilers. Um, what kind of things it introduced to the series and the next ones like we carried these over from the previous game and, and here's how it connects to that game and it's just a little bio on like all these games and i've played probably 75 percent of the north american ones but other than like knowing they exist i haven't had much experience with the japanese ones so it's really cool to see that side of things too where i'm learning a lot about the ones that never got localized over here properly um, and the, like the super early days, like I didn't realize it was kind of like, you know, Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest were always the, the big ones here and in Japan, also the big ones. But this is like the almost big one right behind them. It's been plugging along since just a little after those guys and, and has uh, almost as many entries. Um, but some of the stuff that because I played most of these with a friend of mine, um, the Shimigami games, and we, we've noticed that every once in a while... There's just a boss that we're like, why are we having so much trouble on this, you know, stupid boss, you know, eight hours into this 50 hour game. that's like so hard. And it seems to be just like a theme that runs through the entire series from the get go. Just just really wonky difficulty curves that just pop out of nowhere is like just a staple of the series. Never occurred to me, but it's happened to us in like three or four of the games. So now they've made sure to punish their fans. Is that? Yeah, apparently they, they do that on purpose now. So that's interesting. So, yeah, I've got like a couple of the Famicom games. Obviously, I can't play them because I can't read Japanese. Mm-hmm. I can play them, but you know what I mean. So mm-hmm. they kind of go in through and tell you about, you know, that process and what those were about and everything then. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm a little over halfway through the book. I read through all the mainline Shimigami Tensei stuff, and I just finished today all the Persona stuff. So now I'm getting to the part that I'm most interested in, which is like all the little sub games and spin-offs so like the soul hackers and digital devil and devil summoner and last bible and all that stuff um like i've played a bunch of them but definitely not all of them so i'm really curious to dig into those ones a little bit more cool very yeah. good so you're gonna keep on the game book train for a while or do you think you'll go back to some more comic stuff well after um reading this one i went back on amazon and checked which other books uh hg 101 has and i I put through a few on a wish list and i was listening to the video game history foundation podcast recently Mm -hmm. they had a guest on who was talking about the the game crash in 83 but like like mega research like tons of cool little stuff that i didn't know about or like he put into perspective things you do know about and this is why this happened and and this is why the et number that gets thrown out is you know completely wrong and and i can back it up and so he wrote a book and i've got that one in my uh, amazon wish list too and it covers like everything gaming from like apparently the 1920s to like 83 i think it is 
it's supposed to be pretty awesome and it's, it's super thick i was looking at the the book it's it's monstrous hmm. who was uh, he what was that book i wish i could remember his name give me one sec i'm gonna pull it up because i still have it in my amazon wish yeah list here. no that's fine i mean for those that don't know i've got a pretty big gaming library as well i mean in terms of like books i like to do that as well read history and and people that are involved in the industry and i've been doing that for as early so, as i could find those so the writer is alexander smith and the book is they create worlds the story huh. of people and companies that shape the video game is his uh, shape the video game industry okay but even if you just listened to the video game history foundation podcast with the guy, like loved it. It was, it was so good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you read the book, you have to let me know what you think. I will. I've read several histories and you know, some are dry. Some are a little more entertaining. Well, he talks about all the guys that uh, wrote the like older history books and how they all are pulling from the same sources and stuff. So he's like, I obviously use the same sources, but I also had to look beyond that. And like, he's called and talked to like all these CEOs of these companies before they pass away. Like he's been doing a ton of really cool research. I think that's the crazy thing to think about is that, you know, obviously we grew up with gaming and like my lifetime basically overlaps when video games became a thing. And so, yeah, like the people that were creating them early on, they're all dying out. So yeah. there's a finite amount of time to really talk to all these people. And you and hear all, all the time, more and more of them are passing. Yeah, and he says it a lot when he's talking to you. He's like, he's like most of these guys, like, they didn't get into it because they love gaming. It's like, it's a job. So it's not something they're like, oh, I'm going to remember this my whole life. So you have to kind of get stories from five, six, seven people and kind of piece together the common threads from all of them to get the actual information sometimes. Well, yeah, and some of these stories are probably 40, 50 years old. I mean, I, if you asked me what I was doing 40 years ago, I would not give you a very good answer. So, <laughs> but yeah, it amazed me. I guess some people are better at that stuff than others, but yeah. I would imagine with probably going back and sourcing articles and magazines and everything else, you could probably put some stuff together. Yeah, it's funny too because he's like they're in the like you know late seventies, early eighties. Like there's a decent amount of magazines and print articles and stuff. And he's like, as soon as nineteen eighty two happened, he's like, it all stopped for like three years. There's like no one's publishing release dates of anything because nobody cares. No one's publishing production numbers of anything because no one cares. No one's showing ship dates on anything because no one cares. Like just a little black hole. I remember of information there. Yeah, well, I remember at that time. I mean. That was the period of time when home computers were, they thought, okay, video games are dead. Home computers is the thing now. And that was the case up until the NES hit it big. Um, so there were a lot of like home computer magazines, some for kids, some for families, some for, yeah. I mean, there were tons of them. He, he was talking to you about the NES a little bit on there saying just, he's like, like timing was like perfect because like there were still games coming out prior to the nes but it was like all the games that were designed and built like in the past two years and they kind of stopped making new games because they were still trying to sell these old ones and the pipeline was just kind of catching up to how overflowed it was back in like 83 84 he's like it was almost empty and they were going to run out of like new things to like put on the shelf because no one was making games anymore so he's like, if Nintendo pushed themselves back a year later, even he's like, I think they would have exploded even more than they did, because they would have had. I can see it. No I mean, I don't, I don't know why people 
I don't know why people would have thought, you know, this thing was just a fad. Um, but I think it was you know. from everything I've heard and read. I think it's all the retailers thought that, not the players. Like the players still wanted to play things, but it was like, where are you going to get them if nobody's carrying them? Yeah, I mean, like for me, I remember that was at that point. I'm like, okay, well. I had to play computer games. I mean, it's like, that's when it was like, okay, well, you know, let me play a Commodore 64 or something because there are no games anywhere else really to play. So, you know, that's when you just, and so if you had a friend that had a Commodore or something, that's, you'd hang out, swap copy discs and do all sorts of stuff. So, (laughs) you know, it was fun back in the day. Well, cool. Very good. Well, any other updates you got to share? No, that's, that's my last couple of weeks. You sound like you've been very busy. Trying to keep myself occupied. Um, I wish I could say I, I. I won't say that I've not been busy. Um, I will say that maybe hobby-wise, I've not been as busy. Um, work's been, been, you know, it's been work lately. So some of my time not in work has been kind of uh, brain dead time. <laughs> so you know, I just kind of need to, you know, just hang out with the kids and goof off a little bit. Um, but as far as gaming goes, I mean, you know, we've, I've played some more Human Fall Flat with Eden. Yeah. She likes to play games with Dad, and there's some that I can get into, and there's some that's more for her and her sister. Because, like, you know, Minecraft, Maddie and Eden both are like, oh, Dad, you know, I'm going to play some Minecraft. No. <laughs> no, I'm not really going to play Minecraft. Um, but Human Fall Flat is... I've been, I've been... See, I haven't been playing Minecraft, but I've been watching videos about Minecraft speedrunning, and then I've been able to have coherent conversations with my son about Minecraft in a way that I can understand why someone's enjoying it. <laughs> I know, like, the other day, Maddie came to be like, oh, the new record for Minecraft was just set. It's like five minutes and something, or something like that. And I'm like, cool. 19 and a half <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right. Um, so I had to, you know, I'm a dad, so, and I'm like, okay, tell, tell, tell me what was interesting and what changed. And, you know, so she was telling me stuff about, but like, you know, probably 90% of it was, you know, (laughs) but that's okay. I mean, she was excited about it and they play Minecraft together and uh, she plays Minecraft online with some friends sometimes. And, uh, my son keeps trying to like, tell me about Fortnite and every single time he's, he comes up to tell me something, I like it shows up in my news feeds all the time so i just like i'm like i'll log that away to talk to him about it so he comes up he's like guess who's in fortnite i'm like the predator he's like damn he's like you know already and then like two days later he's like now guess who's in it i'm like terminator and sarah connor and he's like how do you know this <laughs> twitter kid yeah so. so i told i made him a bet i'm like with those two in it i'll bet you there'll be an aliens you know morph in there in the next week i'll give you a five bucks if i'm wrong yeah, how long before we get uh, Rambo or Rocky or which is weird to me for a game that's aimed at kids? Why are there a bunch of '80s properties? Because dudes our age are making it, and they're like, "I love these things. I'm gonna throw them in there." I guess so. I guess it's probably like I remember, like when I was a kid, there was a resurgence of things like the Flintstones and some other things. I was always thinking, like, this is an old cartoon. Who cares about the Flintstones? But those, I, I think it was because the licensing was cheap. Same with like the Adams family and stuff. Like I think they just kept showing up because it was something people could license for very affordable prices. I guess, and you probably know there's a certain cachet of of 
viewers built in just with the name so and if your mom and dad are doing the buying they're like hey i remember the flintstones they were fun here you go that was wholesome here's this dino peak game yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so we've you know human fall flat i don't know if you've played that at all i've seen some videos but i haven't played it no it is all problem solving so uh it's problem solving with not great controls so that's the fun funny part um but i would say you know if you want something to play with your kids i would probably recommend it because it's it's very a lot of problem solving going on they really have to think their way through the problems there's usually not a sometimes you can shortcut it but what's like the youngest age you think could comprehend the problems so eden is six and so i'd probably say five maybe Somewhere around okay. there, probably five well, my or six. Getting there. She's got her fifth birthday yeah. in a few months. Yeah, and I think if you're, you can two player it. So if you can help them through it when they get stuck, because I know like sometimes it's Eden gets stuck, you know, right. and I'll, okay, here, I think this is what we have to do. And, you know, and sometimes she helps and sometimes she's not so helpful, but, you know, we <laughs> get through it anyway. I'll help her, you know, figure it out. But, I mean, a lot of them she'll figure out as well. And sometimes she just wants to goof off. And it's kind of one of those games where you can also, they can play online and with other people. And it's, there's no chat or anything. I, mean, I guess there probably is, but we don't do it. So they can just goof off and it's pretty right. pretty harmless fun. So, yeah, I would say that's a, it's a good one. So we played some of that. Um, I finished up God of War. Uh, I think in the last show we had talked a little about it. Obviously for this this uh yeah it's almost like we planned it well you know um i got the platinum on that but we'll get more into god of war talk in a little bit and then so after that i was like okay what am i gonna play next i I dug back into the playstation 5 collection and i thought okay what's next that i haven't played and i installed uh days gone oh yeah and i played about half an hour of days gone and i went no I don't, I don't need this. Um, it's very violent and not in a normal video gamey way. Um, you know, like in a video game, sometimes it's like, oh, I shot a guy or I stabbed a guy and, you know, they fall down or whatever, right? It's, it's kind of video gamey. And this one, you know, it wasn't very far into it. Like one of the first things I had to do is like, shoot a guy's brains out and then like this next thing comes up is like a knife fight i'm slitting the guy's throat and i'm just like okay i don't need this right this is this is not in the mindset for that right right i'm like and you have to understand like for folks and you know we're not gonna get to politics in this show because we don't but this was right after january 6th and all the stuff that happened at the capitol and i was just like no i don't i don't need this so um, I, I turned that one off. I went, okay, day's gone, not for me. Maybe at some other point in time, I don't know. I would go back to it, but now I'm like, I don't. I, that, this is not what I need in my life. Uh, I've had enough apocalypse for a little bit. <laughs> I'm good. And uh, society falling apart. So um, I decided to go back. I said, you know, it's been a long time since I played through Dark Souls 3. Uh, it's 60 frames per second. A long on... time. How long has it been? It's a year? A couple of years. It's probably been a couple of years. So, um, and it's 60 frames per second on PS5. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll go through and give that a shot. So I'm almost probably 75% done. 
And I decided to do, oh, I really kind of kicking myself at this point. I decided to do a sorcerer run. And I don't usually do that because sorcerers in Dark Souls 3 suck. It just sucks. <laughs> and it sucks. I mean, I'll just be honest. It just, it's like, uh, you feel like you're always underpowered. And it's just like, this kind of sucks. But anyway. So I haven't played 3. Like, can you, like, respec at the point you're in or you're too far gone into that now i could but i've beaten the game so many times with other builds i'm like okay i've never beat i've I've played the other ones and like demon souls dark souls one dark souls two you sorcerer is a very viable build um you can do it you have to play the game a little differently but it's very viable in dark souls three no nah, man <laughs> it's just no you're gonna get trashed and a lot of stuff is magic resistant and it's yeah, you're just going to eat it a lot. It's really built for melee, and uh, you feel it. When you're not doing that, you feel it pretty bad. So I don't know if I would recommend that to anybody um, <laughs> at all. But anyway, I'll, I'll be done with it, and then I'll say, okay, well, that's that experience. And then really that's it as far as gaming goes. Um, you know, I've, as far as watching stuff it's mostly been brain i'll be honest it's been brainless junk i'll watch some twitch or some youtube videos and uh again things just kind of switch my brain off um yeah no reading because that's i'm playing in front of a computer you know nine plus hours a day so i don't, I don't need any more of that so yeah that's been uh it's been my last few couple of weeks so but Dark Souls helps, I will tell you. There's nothing like chopping through some things that it's a good stress reliever. I'm glad you got something like that. It's something that's good to go back to. And speaking of stress and maybe stress relief, are you ready to get in and talk about uh, the big showcase that happened? Sure, yeah. There was the Resident Evil showcase uh, yesterday. And, uh, like, it looks really good. They already showed some teaser stuff from it. Um, but it was like, build as like an anniversary showcase. So I'm like, you know, is the next remake coming? Are they going to announce something new? What's going to happen? And it was basically just Resident Evil 8. So I was a little disappointed with how short the video was. Um, but 8 looks really good. Um, I don't, not like, not thrilled with the first person stuff. And they put out a demo, which I tried today, and, it, and it's all in first person. There's no combat or anything. It's just, like, you in the, like, dungeon of this castle, like, trying to escape. It's like a, like a little quick Resident Evil-themed escape room kind of thing. It's like 15 minutes to run through. Oh, okay. Um, it, yeah, I haven't yeah. tried it yet, so. Yeah, no combat or anything. So you can take your time, explore, you know, eat up the atmosphere, which is really spooky and cool. Um it's gorgeous it looks amazing the sound like i played it with my headphones on and uh, i don't know if you've seen any of the trailers like like i think you said you saw the tall woman in one of them yes did with the see... giant claws yeah did you see the uh the other like vampire ladies they have like the cloaks on and like the blood all over their mouths and stuff i saw them in the background of the with the woman the tall woman yes. yeah so so they all live in this this castle and and while you're walking like you know you can hear them like walking around but you turn around they're not there and then you can hear them talking and whispering to you sometimes and so it's really really creepy really cool so I'm, I'm hoping i can get used to the first person perspective because I'm, I'm really into what they've shown so far on this one 
And do you think is the idea that these vamp... I mean, it's village is the idea, right? So do you think the idea is that these vampires live in this castle and then, like, the people in the village around there are kind of like their thrall that they use to, like, feed and things? Is that the idea? Possibly. The, um... You found some notes in the demo of, of people that have lived there in the past. And yeah, they, they talk about like some of the servants are going missing or they get like really badly abused and then sent down to the dungeon. Uh, you find their wine room and, and it's kind of implied that the wines, you got some blood in it. And they're the one they're known for is like specifically virgin blood. And, and you got to find this specific bottle if you want that kind. And, and so, yeah, there's definitely some nasty stuff going on in the house. So I'm, I'm curious uh, how big it is, too, because it doesn't seem as big as, like, the Spencer Mansion from what I saw in the demo. But I don't know if there's more to it that I just didn't see. Well, I would imagine if the title is Village, you'll probably be out of the yeah, castle, too, right? Yeah, when they showed the, all the pre-order stuff, like, one of the special editions had a map in it. And so you can check a map of, like, the whole game. And, like, the castle's just, like... Know, like an eighth of it and there's a oh, whole okay. bunch of different little areas to go to and stuff so it might not be huge but it looked really good and they gave a release date right yeah may 7th i think it was sometime in which may. is much sooner than i figured well they've been or... like doing early the last few years like they did uh i think january and march for resident evil 2 and 3 remakes I was just, I figured with COVID and everything, you know, mm-hmm. so many things have been pushed back. I was surprised that this is actually, you know, done and yeah. ready to go. And they're doing last gen versions too, which I don't think anybody knew about until the showcase. So now they got a PS4 and Xbox one. They're still launching on those. Gotcha. Now are they doing like those combined versions where you just get one disc and it installs whatever, or are they selling separate? Did they, they say? They did say, I I think they were saying if you do buy the PS4 version, you get a free upgrade to the PS5 one. Um, I think you put it put in the disc and you get an install or, or something like code comes with it or something. I don't know the specifics, but yeah, they did talk about getting a, a free upgrade version. Okay, very cool. So are are you day one? Are you? I'm gonna wait and see. What how's, are you gonna try to do a review? What's your what's your take on this one? So my hope is like we've been on. COVID lockdown in my province since before Christmas that's supposed to end on February 5th. So assuming we don't have another crazy outbreak before May, I've had a group of friends that we got together when Resident Evil 2 came out, the remake, and we all played it together, like passing off the controller and egging each other on and teasing the guys who died and stuff. So much fun. We wanted to do that when 3 came out, but it was right after our COVID lockdown initially happened. So we ended up, one of them, one of our friends bought it who who lives with a roommate. Um, so the two of them were playing through it and streaming it to us through the like share function on the PlayStation. And we were just watching and, and chatting with them on a Discord channel. So I'm hoping we can get together again and play Resident Evil 8 together. Worst case scenario, one of us will get it and we'll, we'll do the Discord uh, PS5 share thing again, but love to sit in the room with the guys and, and play that again very cool very cool and that's something we probably you know i think we said we were going to put this at the top of the show we've already we're already a bit into it but something we mentioned at the last bit of the show speaking of discord right we've got something going on there yeah let's just throw that near the end too i want to spend a minute on on the end of the show we'll talk about the patreon and the discord again absolutely okay um the other piece of news that came and went within a day 
was the <laughs> Xbox news, right? Yeah. Um, for... <laughs> that had, I, I guess, what I'm guessing at this point in time is it had to be a test balloon. So for those... That you know, or somebody at this. the office like that night was like, I told you so. I told you this was going to happen. Yeah, so they just, I guess, woke up one day and went, what if we double the price of Xbox Live Gold? What if we just double the price? What do you think is going to happen? And they went, why not? Let's let's do it. And they did it. And I think the internet exploded. Um, uh, yeah, and then when everyone woke up the next morning, like, <laughs> never mind, just joking. Yeah, like, no, no, uh... We listen to our gamers, and we're just not, we're not, you know, we really appreciate you, and we love you. I think that the message they were getting was like, oh, crap, you know, this is not good for us. Yeah, it was funny, because on, like, Twitter, like, PS Plus was, like, trending all of a sudden. (laughs) Yeah, and that's the thing that hit me, because, like, I don't know, maybe two days ago or something, I was looking at, maybe I like, oh, maybe I'll get some new plus more ps plus because a place had it on sale for like under 40 dollars for a year and i'm thinking and now you're trying to make yours 120 dollars a year uh i i mean yeah when you're trying to sell a brand new 500 hundred dollar console that's not the time to do this right that is not the time Every free-to-play game, which are all huge right now, was, like, ragging on them, too. They're like, on my Switch, it's free to play this game. On my PlayStation, it's free to play this game. On my PC, it's free to play this game. It's $120 to play it on my Xbox. And And they relented on that, too. Yeah, they dropped it. Like, that's a big... That's the biggest win out of this, I think, for most people. Yeah. Um... I don't know. That's baffling. I'm... I'm just going to guess that somebody didn't run this past marketing or something before they did it. And, and I don't know. Um, they had to pull it back really, really fast, but I, I, you know, that's this... a quick turnaround. And for like a Friday night too, like that's, it's wild. I, you know, I was just having like flashbacks to Xbox one launch and all the troubles they had with that and going, you gotta be kidding me, right? You're just going to shoot yourself at the foot again right at the front and thank goodness somebody went wait a minute don't do this (laughs) yeah and they probably did it quick enough i don't think a lot of people are going to remember this in a week kind of thing like if they let it linger the whole weekend or a week or two like before reversing it i think people will be a little more sour on it i don't think anyone's going to care now probably not probably not but it does make you you know you're like man you know because like i said i I put a tweet and that was my thought too i'm like if this is the way it's going maybe i just don't need to be here you know i no you know i don't i don't need it it sounds like that's the way before they announced any of this stuff that bill's kind of leaning too he's always been an xbox guy and he's like i can get it all on pc now yeah i don't have a pc um but i the way i look at it right now is i've still got a, a one x and i'm like i don't really need the new one right yeah. now there's no there's nothing exclusive to it no for at least a year you're you're set yeah, yeah. so yeah anyway that was interesting news and uh i i probably felt the way everybody else felt <laughs> sounds like I, I had no concept of how much it cost before i didn't realize it was double i just thought it was a little hike but that's a crazy hike yeah yeah and i'll be honest i mean there's always sales so i've never paid the actual 
sixty dollars yeah, or whatever you, it was. You've always like earned up like bing points and stuff to like oh yeah find deals, yeah. Yeah, I'm always getting but even so, I'm like, no, that's just, that's stupid. <laughs> Alright, so is that all of our news out of the way? Yeah, let's dig into some God of War. Alright, so God of War by Sony funny that they just took that name. I did not even a subtitle. We're rebooting the series to a degree, but it really wasn't a reboot because we're still going to take all the history and continue forward. So starting off with that idea, do you think that was a smart move just to just totally flip it and just say God of War? Or do you think they should have tried to tie it back to something? No, I think it was getting too messy. It's nice to like have a real simple title again. Like we're restarting something. So if you haven't played any of the old ones, like this is a cool starting point to jump in again. And I didn't realize that they were tying it back in until I played it either, which was a really cool surprise. I thought it was a total reimagining of this character just with a different uh, mythology. So it was really neat to see that, that it wasn't like, it was still like, the same Kratos with the same background and he, you know, changed and adapted over the years. And like that blew me away. Yeah. So we've got old man Kratos basically. (laughs) Um, He's, he's seen some stuff and uh, he's changed his ways. So, so as we get into that, it kind of leads into this idea of the previous games and, you know, it's backstory and history. So, how familiar were you when it comes to God of War? Because obviously there's been one, two, three, four, five. It's at least so, six of them, I think. Y- yeah, I can think of five right off the top of my head game, games that came out before this that were God of War. There's two PSPs. There was... And then there's four like two plays. So there's one, was two, there? three, and then Ascension was the fourth one. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, and then there was the two PSP games. Yeah. Right? So I think there's six. Okay. So a lot of Kratos. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and he was also in PlayStation All-Stars. So I don't know if that's canonical. But Yeah, that's canon. <laughs> he killed all the gods, so then he had to go kill all the mascots after. That's right. Crash Bandicoot had it coming. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so what was your what was your history with God of War? Uh, so I played the first one shortly after it was released and really enjoyed it. It was like top tier action game for ps2 at the time um i remember being really excited about two and i think i was working at the video store and that happened so i just had to wait like a week or two to you know grab it for free to rent for the weekend kind of thing and i remember playing through that one and liking it like feeling like it was like more of the same but but still solid and then I, I had a PS3 when they launched, and when the PS3 one came out, I, for some reason, had no interest in it, and I don't even remember why, because I enjoyed the first two. Just I was on to other things, I guess, and I, I never touched the series again after the uh, first two until this PS4 one. And I'm going to echo that. I'm very similar. Um, I Back in the play, original PlayStation, I'd gotten into something called um, PlayStation Underground, where that you would they would give you like demos and things it was kind of like an insider i don't know what you want to call it but you'd get betas you'd get some different things you get to participate in and uh, one of those things that the playstation 2 era was they sent a demo of god of war out before it came out and it was just like the first very first bit it was like basically like the first boss battle on the ship and that was kind of it and uh i was really 
you know, I was one of those things where like I had to invite my friends over. I'm like, you got to play this. This is really, <laughs> this is awesome. And so I played that demo a lot. And then obviously once the game came out, I uh, really enjoyed it. And just like you, I, the second one came out. I'm like, yeah, okay. I've got to, I've got to get this one. I got to play it. And just like you, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is really not going anywhere new. It's just more, more God of War. They didn't, I mean, I think they brought some more weapons into it, if I remember right, for the second one. You didn't have just the Blades of Chaos in that one. Yeah, and but, like they, they had bigger like set-piece bosses, which were cool, but they were just bigger versions of what you'd already done, kind of thing. Yeah, it was much just more of the same. Same yeah. idea, if you played the and, other one. And for a PS2 game, that was probably one of the best-looking. Like It was pretty, pretty good-looking at the time. Yeah, yeah, a good game. But just like you, I had a PlayStation 3. I had a PSP. I didn't touch any of the other ones because from what I heard was that, oh, it's a prettier looking God of War. And I'm like, well, I've kind of already played a lot of God of War. I, I've, and the other ones were just, hey, it's portable God of War. I'm like, well, I've already, I've already played a lot of God of War. Don't know if I really need this if it's not anything new. Yeah. Uh, and they even put out the PS3 collection, didn't they, of the two PSP the, games? Yeah. Um, Maybe I should go back to that at some point in time. Because after playing through this, I kind of I had enough hankering where I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to order the remaster for PlayStation 4 of the third one and give it a go. I'm kind so of I'm feeling like that, that too. Yeah. But it's like $15, I think, on eBay. New. Uh, so I think I'm going to fl- order that so I can toss it in the PlayStation 5 and just satisfy that old God of War feel now that I've gone through this one and see how well everything stacks up. Sure. But I, uh, I'm more interested in getting the full story now, I think, than I am the actual gameplay. Because I, I, there's definitely I some stuff I, I missed in between this new one and, and the last one. Yeah, some of it I was pretty familiar with, which we'll get into, but some of it I was a little rusty. Um, and some of it I think I just didn't wasn't aware of so yeah from missing some stuff so that's kind of where we're coming into god of war so i'm sure some of you that are listening are like man i played every single god of war game i know you know and that's all well and good and and like you said for some people this might be their first god of war and the first thing that did hit me though is that this is not my first feeling when i was thinking about it was like this is not god of war um and you mentioned that a bunch of times when we were different yeah yeah and um I guess we'll talk about first impressions and then we'll get into the actual game itself. I will be honest, the first impressions that I got from the game were, I'm probably not going to enjoy this very much. So and That's interesting. This whole first like area where you're going around and you're doing the stuff with, you know, to get what you need for like the, the burial. Uh, the hunting and, and the wood and stuff? Yeah. It was really slow and it there was really like next to no combat. And I think that's probably the big thing is until you get to a certain point in the game, there just isn't very much action. It's a lot of upfront storytelling that's going on. Yeah. And you really have to know. I wish someone could have told me, Hey, it really breaks out later on. Don't worry about it because I didn't have that feedback at the time. And I was starting to worry, like, is this the whole game? Cause if so, I don't want to be here. Um, what, how'd you feel about it? I know you felt very different. So before I even played it, like I remember seeing the, the E3 reveal for it 
and going, ah, another God of War. Like, that's fine. Like, I don't need to play that. But I heard, like, you know, it got all the like, Game of the Year, Game of the Year. I think it won the, like, uh, Game Awards, Game of the Year that year, too. Um, but people that I know in town that I respect their opinions on games started telling me, like, and, like, not guys that normally play action games, like my JRPG buddies, like, played through this with my friend. I'm like, like, it's so much better than I thought it was going to be, like, so it started like raising up my radar and then when you said you were going to get into it i'm like okay that's the last push you know i got five or six people kind of telling me i should check this out and i yeah i was hooked on it like almost immediately like the the father-son relationship and, and the slow start like it, like it gave me a chance to get a, a good feel for the world and the characters and stuff before i started getting into the combat and i, I liked what i saw like it's gorgeous um atreus i thought was interesting right off the bat um i felt like i I already know what kratos is supposed to be but he seemed different than i remembered and it's been so long so i was like okay well where are they going with this guy now because this this doesn't seem like the same kratos i remember so yeah right off the bat i I was hooked even though like and it is a slower start like you said because you're literally like finding a tree to light the funeral pyre for your dead wife off the bat and then take your son out hunting to like teach him some skills to survive kind of thing and coming in my mind from god of war which was all action all the time yeah like thinking back to one and two like the first things you do is like fight a huge massive beast that like looks amazing and has a whole bunch of like little uh, like uh, qts and stuff yeah, and in this one, I mean, you do fight like a troll guy at the end of that little piece, but like, man, and even after you do that part, and to get to the next part, it's like very linear and it's kind of boring uh, until you finish the witch stuff up, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, I was. I'm really glad I stuck with it though. And I, you were telling me how much you really enjoyed it, and I was kind of getting that. Oh no! And I think if I would have gone a whole lot longer without it picking up i might have been like i don't know man maybe i'm gonna bail um but we had talked about doing this so like okay well i'm gonna stick through you'd say you're having a great time you love it all right i'll get there at some point in time and it really did open up um so we'll get into all that so my my thoughts did change as things went on but i just think you know you and i come to game playing maybe for different reasons sometimes um, because you were talking about how important the story was to you. And, and I think you were kind of surprised. I was like, get this crap away from me. Well, yeah, I always knew, like you've said it a million times, like, you know, the action, I'm here for the action. I'm here for the gameplay kind of thing. And I just didn't realize how far apart we were. I thought we were a lot closer than we were on that. Yeah, I, I'm okay with story if you can tell it to me while things are going on. I can't the, do that that's the, the way, reason why i hate games like bioshock because i can't focus on the story when things are going on i miss all the story because i'm trying oh. to do the gameplay yeah and that works for me because it's like you're drip feeding that to me while i'm doing something else um but i'll be honest like if it's just exposition and stuff it's like i could just watch tv for this <laughs> i don't i don't need a controller in a game i, I don't need it as someone um, who like pre-ordered and booked off time to play like xenosaga 3 where you like play a dungeon for two hours and then you put the controller down for 30 minutes for a cutscene. like i love a good story chunk where you don't have to focus on anything else yeah i think the most painful thing i can remember was finishing metal gear solid 3 
Uh, or was it four? Four. Four on PlayStation 3. Yeah. Because you would just like have half an hour cutscenes. And you're like, just get to it. Oh my gosh. I love that era of of game storytelling. Oh, I'm like, oh. As we cut in, you'll see Raiden's cooking eggs and talking to the kid. (laughs) And I'm like, I don't care about this at all. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, but thankfully there is a lot of action. They do actually wake up at some mm-hmm. point in time and realize, wait a minute, this is God of War. We should probably give some action in here. Yeah, I, I'm, I should clarify too, like I'm not a story over gameplay guy. Like games like like Journey and like visual novels and stuff, like they do nothing for me. You still have to have really solid gameplay in there to interest me. It's, it's just really nice that this game had both. I loved that. And you have to think, I was coming onto this right off of Detroit, which is basically <laughs> yeah. a visual novel. Yep. And so I was hankering for God of War. You know what I mean? Yeah, not, not fatherhood, you know, which is all like the first chunk of the game really is. Yeah, yeah. even that like first boulder fight did not seem to impress you when I, I thought it was really cool, but you were just like, ah, this weird, you know, meth head got, you know, found me and was giving me some trouble, but... You just, you just seem really bored still, even after that. Yeah, so let's kind of start... Let's go back and kind of we'll talk about some of the characters and who's involved in the main plot line. So, um, of course, we have Kratos. It is Kratos that has gone through all of these things, and he's got his stripes to prove it, right? Uh, he hides some of it early in the game. Um, but you, it, they've not tried to... Re, you know, this, they're not trying to remake Kratos. We've said that. So this is the same guy, been through the same things, trying a new life in a different part of the world. Um, and then he has, at some point in time, we don't know if he's married or not, but he's had a, a relationship and a son. And he's living, I guess, you know, somewhere in Viking country. I don't know. Yeah, the Netherlands he's, he's or something. North, somewhere in Scandinavia. <laughs> That's, yeah, we assume, obviously, they don't say anything, but yeah. everything's Mid- Norse. Midgard, that's all they say here, Midgard. Yeah. yeah, and it's very that Norse mythology, which I'm sure you're going to get into, because you really dug into that, and um, I'm just like, give me more gameplay, whatever. Um, and so there's his son, and I'll be honest, I don't remember the kid's name. You said it a second ago. I, he's, bo- <laughs> he's boy? Atreus. But, okay, but his name is boy, because that's all you ever hear. Boy, boy, boy. Yeah. Which I'll be honest, I didn't mind that. Uh, you know, like the whole time, like Kratos going, boy, head. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was fine with that. I'm like, that fits his character. Yeah, definitely in character. You know, like I just, I have to, I care enough, but not too much, right? Like he, as much as I have to. He's, yeah, a man of few words and he's very blunt. So the fewer things he can say to get his point across, like that's very in character. Um, and then there's his wife, which at the beginning of the game, you really just don't know much about he's, yeah. he's his wife and she's dead. Faye. Yeah. I think was her name. And I don't remember if I remember it, they don't even say how she died. Do they? No, I don't think that ever, they ever get into that. No, but they don't seem like super upset. So I don't think it's like a murder or a suicide or anything. I think it seems natural. They seem like they've coped with it and they're, they're dealing. 
Seems kind of odd that way it wouldn't mention, like, oh, she got sick or, oh, Yeah, no. I assume, like, these aren't really old people, so I don't think it's old age natural causes. I assume she was sick of something. Yeah. But it almost really makes Mom an afterthought. I mean, later on in the game, they do kind of explain who Mom was-ish, a little. But Very really... Very later on, yeah. Right? But really, most of the time, they're just kind of like, yeah, yeah, sure, there was a Mom, right? She's dead. And... I don't know. I, I didn't sit real well with me. Um, you're a dad with kids. You think you could just be like, yeah, 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 whatever. Let's roll on. Mom's dead. Let's rock. <laughs> you oh, know what I no, mean? Like, no, but Kratos, I don't know if he knows how to deal with those feelings, let alone like show someone else how to. And I think that was a point of their conflict. A lot of times, like he's like, you know, let me hold her ashes. He's like, no, you're not ready. Like, and then Atreus gets like just angrier with him and like doesn't know how to communicate with this person because he's not feeling it doesn't seem to be feeling what he's feeling even though they are just in different ways kind of thing yeah we won't spoil it now because we'll get there when we talk about the story but boy has another name as well which you find out at the end of the game yeah there's there's a cool surprise yes and then um our main antagonist i guess we meet very early on uh, we don't know he's Balder at the beginning, but suddenly, like I've said, Strung Out Meth Man shows up. Because that's what he reminds me of. He's just, he's this skinny, wiry, white guy with like dreads in his beard, tattoos all over the place. And all you do is like fight him right away and punch the crud out of him. And like the only thing he keeps saying is like, I can't feel anything. It doesn't hurt. Oh, you can't. Guys, I don't feel it. Like he literally has no dialogue except for like two lines that are basically, it doesn't hurt. You can't hurt me or something. <laughs> and so you like spend 20 minutes fighting this guy that just keeps saying these two lines over and over again. And that's what it reminded me of. Like this dude is so strung out on meth. He doesn't know what's going on. And at first you're like, okay, this dude must be pretty tough because you're, kratos and your the, well, yeah it surprised me because right off the bat just you know he, like he does not look like a god he just looks like some you know trailer trash uh, but then <laughs> yeah. yeah like he grabs you and like flings you over top of your house and you guys are like throwing each other into rocks and stuff so i that like kind of sparked my interest right away like oh something serious is interesting yeah and he shows up and he's basically like where is it you know, uh, they're like, uh, you know, he's like trying to play stupid, right? Oh, whatever, you know. And uh, I don't know even by the end, which we may get to, I don't even know if what it was that he was looking Do you for. want me to fill that in now or later? Well, later. We'll get to okay. the, the, probably the crescendo where I think the game was trying to tell me what it was, but I still don't know if I got it. Okay. Um, so... That's it. So they're like, okay, we got to get out of here. Basically was the piece of the story. We got to get out of here. Okay. I don't know why you got to get out of here, but that's, that's the story, right? Well, they, they were getting ready to leave before he showed up. They were going to spread mom's ashes on the highest peak in the realm. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. And so which that was I dealt say- with and he, like he didn't want Boulder to find Atreus. So I think getting out of there just had a second purpose all of a sudden, like we'll get away from this guy. And one key piece that comes in there that show that makes more sense later is he tells him to get down in the like the cellar or whatever, and the kid's basically like, "You told me never to go down there," and he's like, "Just go." Yeah. Um, and later on, you kind of figure out why he never wanted him 
to be down there. Um, but at the time, you're kind of like, oh, okay, what's going on? And that's why I thought, like, oh, that's must be what he's trying to hide. There's something down there that Balder wants, but obviously that was not I, the I think, case. yeah, you're meant to think that right away, too. Yeah. Right, so, like, there's something in there that he wants, which is dumb, though, because it couldn't have been... Because then they leave. Like, you wouldn't just leave the house like, oh, the thing is in there. Go get it when we leave, right? Um, so, yeah, and this whole storyline is about spreading mom's ashes. And I'll be honest, it's kind of lame. I well, thought, like, this is they, lame. They pulled a fast one on me because, like, I thought this the game was going to end, like, much sooner than it did. I'm like, we're here. Like, I'm like, the climax is coming. And then they found a way to, like, you know, add another half of the game to the game. Yeah, that's one thing I kept getting back to when we were messaging back and forth is I'm like, this thing is still going? <laughs> you know what I mean? There were like multiple times where I'm like, wait a minute, what? There's more? Yeah. Um. Anyway. It, it was, and I don't know. I, I kind of feel like maybe it went a little longer than needed to towards the end. Um. I think for me, you could have cut out two of the realms and I would have been thrilled with the game, like the whole game. There were two realms where I was like, I, these don't need to be here. They don't add anything to the game at all. Yeah, I, I would probably, even though I did everything, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, yeah, I, they could have they cut some stuff. They could have cut it down and made it a tighter experience. And I think they were just like, man, let's just throw everything in. Um, which, you know, some people love that. And, you know, I guess you can say whatever you want to make it. So they set off to spread the ashes, and um, you might have to help remind me, but really they run into the witch on the way. That's probably the next big plot point, right? They they hunt the boar because it looks weird, and, and yes. it turns out that's Freya's friend. So she gets quite upset with them that they've shot her friend, this unique boar. Yeah, so Freya is this quote-unquote witch, that we meet we don't really know anything other than she that's what that's what kratos calls her witch mm-hmm. um and i'm assuming because she shows she has like healing powers with yeah, the boar and ha- all of this stuff yeah she heals the boar she sends the guys on a quest a little little fetch quest to get some stuff to heal up her buddy right and um that's kind of like the prologue i guess would be everything up until you leave her house yeah right yeah and that's when the game really to me goes okay now we can play the game yeah um as soon yeah as soon as you leave her house you you're, you know this like underground river yeah and you open up into the lake of nine and yeah it's like here's what you're going to be doing for a while and i was like thank goodness because <laughs> you know i didn't want to do there's just yeah the stuff i was doing i did not want to do anymore um so yeah so the is there really much else to talk about with the witch i mean yeah there's a magic boar who's really a god from somewhere she lives in a giant turtle that was cool yeah she does like under it yeah um yeah no i don't think you need to jump in anything all you know is she's powerful she can do some some magic some healing stuff probably some other things um yeah they don't get into it too much and then she sends you on your way and she kind of takes a liking to treas it seems like and she knows something's up with Kratos. Yeah, and Kratos is kind of wary of her. You know, like he's telling 
like okay boy stay back stay away from her you know don't trust that's well that's a running theme is always like don't trust anybody yeah. <laughs> it's great it's always like don't especially trust especially gods but yeah anybody in general yeah pretty much like just just don't don't trust anybody and you'll be okay and this whole time um you do kind of get that feeling that kratos son is probably pretty normal boy of his age to a degree i mean the way he acts the way he speaks um doesn't have any outlandish abilities or anything right he's just like you know okay he's an archer um mm-hmm. but you know pretty okie doke kid um and then you come out yeah you have to fly on this canoe out of the cave and you come out so like it's at the lake of nine which is the kind of the main i guess hub is the and a sort of way to talk but you can swim you swim but you can canoe around this giant area of the map and there's all sorts of like places that branch off from there and that environment was kind of it wasn't huge but it was pretty cool yeah i agree it was it was really neat and i don't know about you one the first thing i did when i got out of there was just explore i didn't go to the next story plot point or anything else and I was very happy that there was action at every one of the spots I went to. I'm like, it's, there's no story, really. It's just you can go fight things. I mean, there were some basic, like, mini stories. But like, oh, can you go get my thing over here? And that was about it, right? Yeah, the I was really getting into a lot of the side stories. Like, the uh, right off the bat, like, you find the, like, the dead souls of, like, the people who died in the lake. And they're like, hey, you know, like... I, I, I need you to go do this thing I was trying to do when I died. It'll help me rest. You know, there's some treasure in it for you. And Kratos was like, we don't have time for this. We, it's pointless. And Trace was like, please, dad, please. <laughs> so I was like, fine. Like, <laughs> he got me too. So when did a couple of little things like that for Atreus. And then the way you got rewarded, not just like the, the loot, but like talking to the guys, like it, it seemed like it really made the kid happy. So I was like, all right, well, well if we run into more of these, I might do them. And, and so that's kind of how I justified doing my like side questing too. I like it though, that Kratos was pretty good about this. Like he teaches him these skills, like when the spirit, like, cause the boy is like, Oh yeah, let's just help. And he's, he kind of like, What's in it for us, right? Like, it's all stuff. And he'd be like, whoa, 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 all right. Well, what do we get out of this? Um, and negotiate with these dead spirits. Uh, it's like, I, look, maybe we'll help you, but we got, I need something. And yeah. so some of them would even reluctantly kind of like, okay, fine. And, you know, here, I'll give you, or here, I'll lead you to whatever. And then later on, even the boy picks up on that and starts to do that too and mimic his dad. Um, I, I like that the banter in the boat in between them too because they kind of discussed the thing you just did even when it's the side things where Atreus is like well I guess that guy lied to us like he just wanted us to revive his wife who was going to try and kill us <laughs> and he's like I guess that was a waste of time and Kratos is like he's like no you learned a valuable lesson and we got some loot <laughs> right don't yeah, trust anybody yeah more stuff and, and this is going to make our journey easier now that we have these items yeah. but that was pretty much the thing like Kratos would continually grumble about doing everything, period. <laughs> and, and the boy was always very excited to be out in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah, like constantly. Like the, every time you got like a new part of the main story to go on to, he would kind of like give you a little lead in to go side questing if you wanted to. Or he's like, hey, dad, remember that thing that we didn't do? Like we could go do that. We got some time. We don't have to rush. 
Yeah, yeah, you, he'd, he'd do that a lot. Going, oh, or like you'd open something up and he'd, oh, we can go do blah, blah, blah now, you know? Yeah. So, and I think the game used him pretty well because sometimes, you know, even when you're somewhere, if you're something you're supposed to notice, they'd be like, oh, look up there, or, you know, he would say things. Yeah, I, I found that actually pretty helpful um, to find little, new, like, new areas or items that I just, you know, wasn't seeing because I didn't have the camera turned the right way. So I guess um, before we go too much farther in the story, we probably should talk about the mechanics of the game and, and how it works for a moment. So the combat is, uh, of course, action-y, but not at all like traditional God of War. It's this over-the-shoulder combat that I would say borrows pretty liberally from the Souls series minus some pieces. Sure. To the point where the controls for combat are pretty much the same. Like uh, R1 is, you know, like a light attack and L1 is block and there's a parry and, you know, you can tell that they, they, there's a healthy nod to that. <laughs> but they, they take their own spin on it. There is not a, um, a stamina meter that you have to manage. So they kind of gotten rid of that part, which is, it's nice. They just kind of stagger out some of the moves and stuff. So, you know, you might have a, you know, the standard moves are pretty easy, but they cool, they put cooldowns on special moves. And I remember the old God of Wars having like increasingly complex combos you could do mm -hmm. as you earn them. And this one, it was like really simplified version of that you never got these big, like five, six button combos. You'd get like three or four button at most. Yeah. And so you do, um, earn experience and the, so you can level up and leveling up really isn't like a RPG it's just unlocks right you can unlock new skills and that's where you get into things like oh here's a new combo for your axe or you know you can do this move and whatnot um, or here's the kid can do new things with the arrows mm -hmm. um, and or like I this part I'm curious how you feel because I know in the souls games especially like you like having weapon options and different builds and like you're like you have an axe and that's it like how how do you feel about that we'll get to it later on i was glad when option number two opened up but i will say at least they give you right off the bat they do give you hand to hand and axe mm -hmm. so you do have another option and for some cases you have to use hand to hand yeah and yeah. in some cases, it's just much easier to do hand-to-hand -hand combat. Um, so they do force you to kind of use that. And also, you can throw the axe. So while the axe is thrown until you retrieve it, you are in hand-to-hand -hand mode. Mm -hmm. um, so they do give you some variety to it. But yeah, to a degree, it's it's pretty rote. So yeah, I it, more variety, I think, would be fun. Um, that to me as replayability because to me now that i've beaten god of war i have no reason to ever go back to this game ever uh and like there was a new game plus option that opened up at the end and i'm like why would i why yeah. i've done everything what would you do <laughs> is it right. just I'm a like, harder I, version or yeah i'm like everything has been done I'm, well, man, what's the what would be the point whereas like with a souls game or something's like no there's a point you can totally go with this and have a completely different experience and so, yeah, you know, I think that part's weak, but I know that's not what they were going for. They were trying to tell a story and that was their focus and, you know, it's yeah. fine. 
I'm I'm always a big fan of like one thing and just cool variations of that one thing. I don't like having different builds and, and different options. It, I find it too overwhelming and and I end up just sticking to one thing anyway. I yeah. I, I think I can get that. And some people are like, I want to play this game and I'm done with that game, right? Yeah, I, I almost never like I can count on one hand how many times I've new game plus something. Like any game. Right. And so I Chrono love- Trigger is like the one that I feel like I've actually got a lot of you know joy out of new game plusing and beyond that like i don't want just a different experience through the same game i I just want a whole new game and i if if the action is really good if you can give me different spins on that action i keep playing because i like the action part and i I, yeah i've digested the story but if it didn't get in the way in the first time i don't care now um and yeah there's a limit to that but you know um Again, I, I think like in this case, it doesn't give me any reason to ever go back to it. I ever. agree with that. Yeah, it seems like a kind of one and done. Like you'd have to let it sit for three, three to five years until you've kind of forgotten a bunch of it to revisit it, kind of thing. It's not something you want to go back to real early. And it's so long. I don't know if I'd ever want to go back to it, to be honest. Um, yeah, it's not something you can skip cutscenes. Like you got to watch it all. Yeah. yeah, it kind of forces you into. Yeah. Like, okay, you're going to go through the story whether you like it or not. Um, although I'll say, like, you know, like we talk about those boat conversations. Uh, I'd be curious. I'm going to guess. I could be wrong here. I'm going to guess that if you were in a boat conversation, you probably waited to get out of the boat until that conversation was done. The first time I didn't, and and you get out, and he's like, no talking, talking's for boats. It's like, hello. That, like, that was so funny. But then, because he was so blunt about it, I totally did. I'd wait for the story to finish before I got out because I was really into it, especially after you get your third companion. Like, just loved it. Yeah, for me, I'm like, whatever. <laughs> I'm like, I just because they would just he would just pick back up next time he got in the boat. He'd just pick back up again. Yeah, but then, then when you get out and come back, you get a different story next time. <laughs> like, he'd never seemed to run out of them. It was no, so there was a lot impressed. of stinking yeah. stories. I will agree with that. I couldn't keep track of all the weird Norse names. Um, yeah i can understand why kratos goes boy head you know i get it because i can't remember these names either so um yeah there's a lot to explore there's a lot to do and so you have the axe weapon um but you can upgrade the axe of course and those are special items that you only get in the story so there's no way you can like try to grind to get better or anything they kind of cap where you're at throughout the story um, and then you get these special moves, basically, that you can slot in to your axe. So you have like a light special attack and a heavy special attack. And those are on a cooldown timer. And so like the light one usually has a shorter cooldown than the longer one. Um, and they give you quite a few of those to choose from. Yeah. Start off with one, but they kind of just drip feed these to you all throughout the game. Although, I'll be honest, I typically stuck with just a couple of them. There's only a few times I actually changed later on. Um, because they usually send, seem to have a pretty distinct purpose. Mm-hmm. So, like, and they would even tell you with the light special attacks. Like, oh, this one is an area of effect. Or this one is straight line. Or this one is... And so, usually that's what I want. I was like, okay, I need one that does this. And I need another one that does this. And so... And we won't go through all of them because it would take forever. But like with the axe towards the end, to me, the ones I really stuck with were 
there was one where I could throw my axe and it would just kind of spin like a buzzsaw <laughs> into the bad guys to just do a lot of damage to one enemy. And then there was another, the heavy one, where it would like charge up my axe and it would just do a lot of extra damage. And I those were the two I used. <laughs> What's that? I didn't use either one of those. I used okay. totally different ones. Yeah. So what did you end up using? So my light one, I would shoot like a beam of ice like out of my axe and it would like hold for like, you know, five, six seconds and anything in that straight beam would, would take a d- decent amount of damage. Um, it had a really long range too, which is one of the reasons I liked it. And my heavy one, um, he would do a, a leap. And when you land on the ground, this big like area of effect ring of ice would like kind of come out and you could do like a follow-up attack on something right in front of you if you hit the R2 again. And those those are my two go-tos. Because that one, if I was getting swarmed, I could like kind of blast everyone away and give myself some breathing room. Okay. And I was, especially towards the end, I was very focused on one-on-one combat because some of the boss fights you have to do you need a lot of stuff at your disposal which i'm sure we'll get to yeah i even use those for the bosses like i didn't really switch it out yeah okay and then um outside of that you get armor that you can upgrade and they have these slots for these uh what were they called do you remember like amulets or something yeah i can't remember what they're called yeah some kind of gems you like slot into your armor and they would give you special perks basically um maybe different abilities or improve your stats or whatever the case is. So those did get really good towards the end. Um, and the early ones were pretty just meh. Yeah. Um, they let you, that was probably the only part of the game that really let you spec to a degree. Cause the, there was usually like three different armor choices in each grade. And then the, slotting of the whatever those amulet things were typically trend to focus on one of three things and that was usually like strength defense uh runic and then cooldown. uh so those are usually kind of the combinations of things and so you could try to make a, a build to a certain degree if you wanted to by using combinations of those amulets and different the different armor sets and mm-hmm. i always went strength i just went mm-hmm. like it's power i just wanted to hit things as hard as i could and i, I liked, really just I did not focus my, on anything else i like to have my cooldown really high is then i could use the, the big area of effect attack a lot so did you try to spec specifically for cooldown yeah for most of the game yeah okay and see i never just whatever the cooldown was is what it was True. and uh well and like I'm, to get a little spoilery ahead um when you get your second item your second weapon you can switch to when you've got a really low cooldown, like you can do both your axe moves and you can swap to your other weapon, do both of those. And then by the time you swap back to your axe, like the cooldown's almost done and you can just like do them again. Like you're never out of special moves, basically. And it's funny you say that I did not swap back and forth very much. Um, I tended to use like this. I guess we can go ahead and say it. I mean, I guess it doesn't matter. We're going to get the whole thing spoiler anyway. So, I mean, obviously the second weapon is um, his Blades of Chaos, which you have Matt. I, I even talked to you about that early on. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Why doesn't he have this? I mean, like, that's his signature thing. I was a little ahead of you. So when I got to that point, I was like so excited for you to get to that point because <laughs> I knew you were going to love it. <laughs> yeah, because like this whole point, I'm like, this an axe? What the hell? Right? And I get it. It was like his wife's axe. Wife's magic axe. 
I still preferred the axe when I had. I used it over the blades like almost always, unless there was a specific enemy type I wanted to switch it out to, or I just wanted to switch it for those uh, runic attacks. And I used them very specifically on the type of enemies that they were good on. So like there was these stupid flying enemies that were super annoying that would blast you, and you almost the had to use elves, blade, yeah. blades of chaos on those. And then the other things, um, you know. Like when I was doing like the Valkyrie fights and things, we'll talk. I was axe. I'm all axe because I could get more damage done that way. Mm-hmm. So you definitely had to keep in mind range or or damage, and there was damage types, right? So the axe was cold frost damage, and then the blades of chaos was basically fire damage. Yeah, yeah. And some enemies were weak to one or the other, and all that. The moment going home to get those blades, like the whole time he was walking back, like I was kind of piecing it together like assuming that's what he was going for before it happened but still like the second he pulled them out he takes the bandages off to like put them back on i like i had a big smile and i'm not a huge like god of war fan but it was still really touching somehow like it it got me how they did that and and the reveal and like having athena like kind of haunting him while he's putting them on and stuff like the whole thing really worked for me yeah so um i mean we're jumping around a little bit, but yeah, the the blades of chaos are what was hidden in the cellar, right? So that's what he didn't want the boy to find, and he kind of had them tucked in to like a little magic spot. Um, but okay, I guess now that we've talked about the gameplay, kind of getting back to the story. So they, you're finally out on the lake, and um, at that point in time, yeah, you have to go get... Um, I'm trying to remember, like what the first story be. It's just basically go to the mountain and spread the ashes is your focus, right? Mm-hmm. Go to the mountain, spread the ashes. And so you go through some things and you meet the on the way these two um, uh, brothers. The dwarves, yeah. The dwarves. They're blacksmiths. And you meet one first who's a blue guy. I don't remember his name. I'm sure you probably <laughs> do. Brock. Okay, blue guy. Uh, I, you know, Swears the thing I... The thing I just had to remember was, uh, you know, they didn't matter because Kratos called him Dwarf. So it, it didn't really matter. It was just Dwarf. Atreus called him Brock all the time. He probably did. Names. I didn't pay that much attention. <laughs> like, shut up, kid. Um, I'm happy to be the Atreus in our relationship. You can be <laughs> All right, man. Uh, so, uh, yeah, first you meet Brock, and he's blue. But he's a dwarf. So I'm thinking like, oh, in this world are all the dwarves blue? And then you find out, no. Uh, He's like silver poisoning, right? From all the metal work that he's done Mm -hmm. is kind of what you find out. But he's, dwarves are magical in this land, right? So they can like teleport, basically. Yeah, he can like walk between realities and time effects differently when they're in there. And yeah, some weird stuff going on. Because there's this first early story beat where... Brock is like fighting this pack animal or something. That's how you first meet him. And so I don't remember, like you have to defend him or help him with his pack animal or something. Yeah. And Atreus can like communicate with it un- kind of unknowingly at first. He like hears it. He's like, do you get, do you, do you didn't hear, you know, yeah. blah, blah. Like, he's no. scared of something he's in the bushes over there. Yeah. Right. And you're just like, what are you talking about? I didn't hear anything. And so, um, that's kind of how you befriend him, but then funny little, uh, not too much later on, you find out that uh, yeah, that pla- that pack animal didn't make it. Um, yeah. He he was food. <laughs> Lunch. 
Which felt his character, because that was the whole thing. He was the salty character of the game, right? Um, he's probably the only one, if you have kids in the room, you have to kind of like, okay, wait a minute. Can you maybe oh, keep your big kids time. Out of the room? You, yeah, you could not let him talk to your children. Like he'll, They'll learn a new word or two every time he talks. Yeah, a lot of F-bombs. And he was pretty much the only character that did that. Yeah. Right? So that was kind of That struck me as odd. I'm like, why did they need to do it? If none of the other characters talk like that, why did they throw this one in? But you need an M rating so your game's cooler, okay? I guess, but I mean, <laughs> there was nothing that he said that I went like. I I thought it worked. He after, needed to say that after we met his brother Sindri too, because you just like there the whole most of the game they're like at odds, and so you can just see personality wise these are like two incredibly different people too. So it, it did work a little bit that way as well. Yeah, so you not too much longer as you're kind of coasting around the world and going to the ocean, to going to the mountain. You meet his brother, Sindri. Yes, and uh, he is not blue, and he is a germaphobe. <laughs> yeah, like that was a really funny thing throughout. Like every second or third time you meet him, there's some kind of joke about him not wanting to touch something or just being disgusted in general. And it, I always thought it was really funny. Good, good writing on him. Yeah. And there's this one key plot point that you almost kind of don't pay any attention to when it happens when they're getting ready to go up the mountain. And that is Sindri gives Atreus some different arrows, right? Yeah. And the game makes them stand out because they're green. Uh, and I think it does mention like a little bit about it, but like they're, I don't remember, good luck or need them for whatever. I don't remember. But basically, like, here's some better arrows for you. I've got these. You can have them six minutes pack. And then as you climb the mountain, like his bag or something breaks and you have to fix the it. The strap on his quiver breaks, yeah. Yeah, and so you snap off a piece of the of the arrow and you stick it on there to kind of hold it together. And you go on your merry way up the mountain. But of course, nothing works out, right? So you're going up the mountain and there's this uh, evil smoke coming out of like this guy's mouth or whatever. And the mouth is like in the mountain where you have to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's like carved in, but there's like this black fog or whatever's coming out. So you go back to the witch and you're like, what the heck do I do? And they're like, oh, you got to go get this light of the Watchamajigger. Um, and to do it, you need the Bifrost. And the Bifrost is what let you travel between realms and you have to charge it up with this light. Um,. So you go do questy quest to charge the Bifrost, she right? She also or has the... a freak out that you have these green arrows when you go there. Too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. That's good. She's not like... a fan of those. And she throws them into the fire. And she even says, like, who gave you these that they're evil? Yeah. And she's here. I have these much cooler magic arrows. Take mine. Yeah. I, yeah. And she makes, yeah, like a really big deal about these arrows. And so that had me thinking for a minute. Because first I was like, wait a minute. So is the dwarf evil? Like, is he tricking me? And eventually, of course, you find out no. But for a little while, I don't know about you, I was thinking like, oh, is he like secretly a bad guy or something? I I didn't think that at all because he's so goofy. I just thought maybe he was an idiot and made a mistake. Not that he was trying to intentionally do something evil, just that he might have unintentionally done something he wasn't supposed to. Oh, and the way she said, like, beware whoever gave you this, it's evil. I mean, she was very intent on that right like what do not whoever that person was stay away from them very i know I, I was more like something <laughs> like maybe boulder had like got to Sindri first and said like hey give them these like something like that yeah 
So she sends you off to charge the Bifrost, and so you do that. I don't really remember if there's much of anything interesting about, I mean, you just kind of do it. And then you have to go to this other realm, um, Alfheim, no, is that yeah. Alfheim? Yeah, Alfheim was the first one. That that was another like Lake of Nines point for me, where like you're in Tears Temple, and all of a sudden it's like here's more realms you can go to. Like you like you can see all the ones you can't go to yet on there. And I was like, this game just like expanded again. Like it was really neat and it expanded in a really interesting way because it wasn't like Midgard's. You know, it's got some magical stuff. You know, we talked about dwarves and witches and boars that used to be gods and stuff. <laughs> Um, but it's like grounded in like earth. So it was really exciting for me to, to like, maybe go see this realm, go, you know, let's go see Asgard. Let's go see Jotunheim. Like, so that, that was really, really cool at that point too. I guess the other big thing we forgot to mention too, is that in this giant lake, there's a super giant serpent. Yeah. Jorgenmander, the, the world serpent, um, who is, uh, like the last living giant on, on earth basically. Yeah. But you don't know that. You just know he's a big snake. And you know that he hates Thor. <laughs> they, they really hammer that home that him and Thor hate each other and they fought and and they will fight again. And so, um, but there's not much, I mean, like at the beginning, he's just kind of like there, right? You like, yeah. see his body here and there. He, he's just happy he's not trying to eat you because like you're like smaller than his tooth kind of thing. Right. So you go to Alfheim and that is a world of... Dark elves and light elves. Yes. And they are battling for whatever this light is at the center of this place, of the realm. And you just kind of watch and like, you're always fighting dark elves. And you just see the dark elves slaughtering the light elves. And the light elves are really don't ever seem to be putting up much of a fight. They're pretty yeah, much they just, just kind of getting walk killed. into it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, huh, what's this all about? And I don't know if there's much else. I mean, you could tell me, but I don't think there's much else to say. You just kind of go through and you kill the, and you free the light at the center, really. I mean, that's about no, all there is to it. Yeah, that's really all there is to it. It's pretty simple. It was just neat to see Atreus and Kratos have their, you know, their opposing views again, where Atreus is like, we got to help these light elves. And Kratos is like, we don't know anything about either of these. We don't know who's in the right, who's in the wrong. Like, we're just going to mind our business and do our mission and, get out of here and the whole time Atreus is like we gotta help them we gotta help them and you kind of unintentionally do help them just because your goal kind of aligns with their goal kind of thing yeah and so eventually you go through all of it and it's this beautiful place right there's like all these flowers and trees and very bright and vibrant yeah yeah nice and lush and so eventually you do. There's like this hive at the center of it that the dark elves, I guess, have built like this hive around the light to kind of block it. And so, of course, you blow it up basically and kill the dark elves. And you have to harness this light um, to charge the Bifrost so you can go and do and get rid of this smoke or whatever the case is, right? But even like at the end, like when you've done that, that whole thing comes up like, did we do the right thing? Did we help the right group? I mean, they leave it kind of ambiguous. You don't really find mm-hmm. out like who was the good yeah. guys, who was the bad guys. It's just the black guys were the guys that were attacking you, and the white guys are now the ones that are left because they didn't attack you, basically. There's yeah. nothing more complicated than that. 
there's a cool like moment where they kind of tie the gameplay into the story too where a bunch of dark elves are like running off with atreus and all of a sudden your rage meter's full and you get like a boost of like god rage and it lasts like way longer than it normally does just so you can like tear down some pillars and throw statues and defeat all these guys because they have your son like so you, you kind of get that cool moment where the gameplay and the story like really merge together really well yeah i guess we forgot to mention that there is like a rage mode there's a rage meter and when you go under rage mode it's just all fists all beating the tar out of people you're super powered and uh, until Gain the a little bit runs of health out. back for every hit too uh, yeah yeah you could just go nuts and so um at the end so you've cleared this thing and you have to go into you know they the witch tells you like don't go in the like no what was it somebody tells you like they're giving you instructions right like don't go into whatever i'm trying to remember like not sure which one you're talking about okay maybe i'm thinking of something else later anyway okay so now you can go up the mountain right yeah you've got the light to get rid of the the black smoke all right, so now you can climb the mountain. You climb the mountain, and at the top, there's Balder, there's his cousins, and there's this tree guy they're talking to. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you know all the names, so go right ahead. Yeah, it's Balder, uh, Magni, Modai, and the guy in the tree is Mimir. Okay. And Modai and Magni are Thor's sons. But isn't Balder a son of Thor? Two? He's Freya's son, remember? So they have different mothers, but same father. Yeah. Okay. Well, Odin's like everyone's father. <laughs> he's, that's why they call him the All-Father. He's, he's been around. Okay. So, um, but I guess you don't know, at this point you don't know Balder is Freya's son. No, so. you don't know that relation. You, you just find out he's Balder at this point, that he's a god. That's who you encountered before. Yeah, yeah you hear him kind of talking because you can't interact it's a part where you're climbing and you're just overhearing this conversation. He's dropping off the side of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you get up to the top and. Game over. Spread mom's ashes, right? Highest point. That's it. We, that's what we thought. Okay, I did it. Um, of course, no. No, that's not the way it works. This is like one of 15. No, the game's not over yet. Um, so uh, you go up there, and of course, there's Balder is there. And he's like, aha, you know. Uh, oh, wait, you talk to the guy first, right? Yeah, well, Baldur's there to talk to Mimir as well, because he's, like, the smartest guy, like, in all the realms. Like, he knows things. So people go to him for advice. He's stuck in this tree. He's got nothing better to do than, than tell you what you want to hear. And you've got this Bifrost thing or whatever that opens the portal. No, that's not even that part yet. Is it? You just get up there. You don't even yeah. know. You're just trying to spread some ashes. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, you, yeah, you go up to him, you're like, what's going on? Right. And so they're gone now. When you climb up there, they're like Balder and the other guys are gone. And so you go up to the tree and yeah, it's this guy. And he's like, yeah, you know, Thor tortures me by just coming Odin. here all Odin the time. Tortures Odin tortures the time. me. Yeah. yeah. Um, basically I'm stuck in this tree. I can't die. And he just tortures me like crazy. Get me out of here is basically it. And I was like, well, we need help with blah, 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 blah. He, he also mentions like he's the one who kind of spoils where they're going to spread the ashes. He's like, this, this isn't the highest point. I know where the highest point is. It's, right. It's in another realm. Yeah. Right. And they're like basically like crap. 
well, how do we get there? And he's like, oh, look, I can tell you how to get there. And so you're like, you can't take him with it because he's stuck in this tree. And so basically the the solution you come to is, well, you can't die. At least he doesn't think you can die. And you're like, well, I can hack your head off. And, uh, and then take me to the witch to revive me. Right. To, yeah. Yeah. Hack my head off. Yeah. And then take my head to the witch. She'll do some magic and she'll bring me back, bring my head to life without my body. And uh, you're like, are you think, basically he's like, are you sure this is going to work? Uh, you know, like, I don't know. It's, it's worth the risk because, you know, I'm just getting tortured every day. Right. Of. He's like, my, my existence is miserable. I don't want to be here anyway. So you're like, okay, I'm going to chop your head off now. <laughs> That's basically like almost literally what he says. Like, okay, get ready. I'm going to chop your head off now. Yeah. And, uh, and then whack. Yeah, that's it. You'll chop the guy's head off and stick it on your belt. And, uh, like no big, no big deal. All right. It's just, you know, stick a head on your belt. And then, yeah, you have to go back to the witch and you're like, witch, Hey, we've got a head and we need you to bring it back to life. Cause it can show us how to get to wherever. Right. And so she sticks the head in a pot, does some magic magic and head comes back to life. It works. And he won't shut up now. <laughs> And, right. and he, this, I think this is where he, like, he knows who Freya is. So, you know, you start to know who Freya is as well, that she's not just some witch. She's a little more important. Yeah. Well, he kind of is talking a little bit about her, but he doesn't really spill any beans. And we find out later why he doesn't spill any beans. Hmm. But he kind of, you know, you get, you get to that she's an important person in this hmm. realm. Um, maybe more than just a just plain Jane witch. And so basically what you find out is that, um, okay, uh, I've got I have the head now, and he can speak to the the lizard, the snake. The world serpent, yeah. Right. You gotta, I need to talk to the snake guy, right, to see whatever. And so they, you take him up, and there's a giant horn, and he talks to the snake. Uh, Did you go and, to the horn before you had Mimir? Yes. With just Atreus. Yeah, I, I love that. You go up there and Atreus is just like, we got to blow this horn. And Kratos is like, no, we don't know what this summons. We're not doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah. He's like, no, we're not. Yeah. Don't touch anything. You hear that a lot. Just like a real parent. Don't touch anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's it. You summon the serpent. And in that process, if I remember right to you, that's also what is the first time it causes the water level to go down. Because the serpent yeah, when he moved. moves, he's like blocking some. He's like damming the water, and so yeah, the water level drops, opens up some new areas. Yeah, so there's more to do now in the surrounding areas, more places you can get to. But I don't know if we really need to go through them because they're all like side story pieces. I mean, nothing is like too integral um, to that. And uh, so you have to figure out then that there's. Uh, it's still something, if I remember right, it's something with the Bifrost that you have to do so you can open this portal at the top of the mountain that takes you to Jodenheim, which is the other place yeah. you have to go as the real highest peak. Yeah, so you're trying to get to Jotunheim, which no one's been to Jotunheim in, like, forever. And, like, the giants made sure no one was coming to Jotunheim with the help of Tyr, who built this giant temple. And so there's a lot of, like, trying to figure out how to get to Jotunheim, which means going to other realms to gather things not either knowledge or specific items that you need to make Jotunheim happen that's like the whole goal of the game at this point is because that's where the highest peak is you got to get to Jotunheim 
And this is the part where you have to help rem remind me because I remember that we have there's we go to the light and he walks into the light and there's a big dream sequence. But I'm trying to remember where all that comes from, at the, where that piece came from. That was in Alfheim. That was before they left Alfheim, like when they made the light there. That's when oh, he was in the okay. dream sequence. Yeah. That was the dream sequence. So is this part? I'm trying to remember they have so this is the part where they have to go back up the mountain but they can't go up the mountain they have to go inside and up through the mountain is that that part yes i think so yeah where yeah there's a dragon in there yes yeah yes. yeah so they have to go like inside to get up to the top again i don't remember why they can't go the other way but you can't and uh yeah there's like a big dragon fight you have your first fight with the dragon and eventually blah 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 you get to the top um, you see the portal open to the place, but then there's Balder, of course, being a jerk. And Balder <laughs> fights you again and uh, is going to hurt your boy. And, of course, you're like, no, get away, you know, save yourself. And, uh, of course, the kid's like, no, you know, I'm not going to let that happen to my dad. And long story short, this big stone portal that leads to Jotunheim gets crushed. Um, the last known portal, last known way to get to Jotunheim, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So then you're like, crap, all right, guess we have to find another way. So this is like false start number two to, okay, you thought it was over? No, it's not over again. And now you just have to start realm hopping, basically. I mean, I, I don't know if, what you think. I think I can boil the rest of the interim story bits down a lot into yeah, jump hop, it. hopping like, I don't, realms. I don't think they're really... A lot of key moments there. Like, yeah, you can definitely give us the the book notes, the footnotes. Yeah, so, I mean, throw in something if I've missed it. I mean, the basically, the answer is you keep jumping around. There's a couple other worlds you go to, um, which give you new areas to explore. Most of it is kind of just chore-based. I mean, there's some story elements to it, but... Yeah, like Niflheim and Muspelheim are just like side stuff like you don't need to do them story based like one's the like kind of mist world and the other one's like fire and chaos and it's just kind of like challenge mode um but helheim had some store lots of story stuff in it yeah and that was the land of the dead yeah right so you had to go there because um a the boy was there right like he got taken and you had to go <laughs> he got sick you had to go kill the like gatekeeper to like, right. take his heart out to give to the witch for uh something she wanted to do to uh because atreus yeah he, he was like he doesn't know that kratos is a god because kratos doesn't want him to know that and yeah. so that means this kid is part god but he's he thinks he's mortal so apparently when gods think they're mortal it's like a like a an illness so this kid's like struggling internally with what he is and it's causing him to like literally die so rather than just tell him the truth he goes to hell to kill a monster to bring back something to like temporarily heal him yeah this is total chaos kratos logic yeah it's yeah. uh don't don't tell the kid anything about himself i'll just go destroy hell instead yeah um but that's the thing, like all these other characters, like the head and the witch, they all know 
they figure out pretty quick who Kratos is, and they all know. And they're and like, dude, the whole story is over and over. Like, you gotta tell him. You gotta tell him. You gotta tell him. You gotta tell him. No, 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 no. Uh, and then the other big plot point that gets beaten like a dead horse is basically your son over and over all these things and stories and side stories like man all these horrible people kill their family members and all these gods kill their family members i'm so glad that we're not like that dad man wouldn't that be horrible (laughs) if we were like that dad i mean they really beat this into the ground where you're like okay what do you think's gonna happen um to be fair though like pretty much any old mythologies like that everyone's trying to kill their father back then right and if you played god of war you understand in the first game kratos kills his family yeah um like he murders his daughter and his wife because he gets tricked by hades yeah and that's what the first game is about on revenge and in the first game he also kills his father who he finds out is um zeus zeus yeah, yeah. right so there's this whole thing keeps coming back like, oh, killing your dad because you hear all these stories about Thor and, and Odin. Uh, like, and, yeah, you hear endless stories about how terrible Thor and Odin are. Like, right. Every second story is about how terrible one of those two is. And the kid, of course, is eating all this up and asking all these questions, but it keeps coming back to this, God, they're so bad. Why? And in Kratos, the whole story is always like, gods are bad, gods are bad, don't trust gods, gods are bad. Um. So yeah, eventually at some point in the story, he has to tell him like, uh, you're a god. <laughs> like, and so there he goes on this trip for a little while where the oh, kid man. is like, oh yeah, I'm a god now. I could do whatever I want. Oh yeah, well. And he keeps, you know, he gets really kind of snotty and annoying for a while. Um, and yeah, e- even like outside of the story stuff, like when you're trying to get him to like target an enemy or something whatever fine yeah whatever like it's oh i'm glad that didn't last too much longer than it did because holy was that frustrating yeah i was i had enough of that boy at that point in time i was thinking like i don't know what god of war would do but i think i know what i would do um (laughs) but yeah there's like this big sequence through that and it takes place right after you've you've killed one of the twins because uh, basically there's sword guy and shield guy, and you yeah. have to fight both of them at one There's point. Magni in time. and Modi that we met very briefly earlier. Yeah. yeah, they they double team attack you at one point, and you end up killing sword guy, and then like later on as you go through this temple and stuff, you get to shield guy again. Like ambushes. Oh, that's it. The tears temple. Like inside of the big main place, you have to do all this stuff to get in there, and you finally get in there, and he ambushes you. And it's basically like, ah, you know. And that's the part, right, where the son gets sick. He. I'm pretty sure that's the part no. inside there is where he gets sick and you have to go help no, him. No, because he, he thinks he's a god at that point, so he's not having that internal struggle anymore. So we've got our timeline mixed up a little bit. Now, I think that's the second time you meet him. Because the first time I think he does, he's threatening kratos or something and that's when he like goes rage mode and... oh, okay i thought you were talking about the time when he comes back like all beaded and battered and he's like thor like yeah me to hell because i left my brother to die right that was like the third time you meet him because like okay. the first time you go well, second time you meet him again and he's like coming after you like oh yeah. you killed my brother blah 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 and so he's gonna really hurt kratos but the kid is like no you know and then basically kind of has this god moment 
Yeah. And that's when he gets sick, right? Because like cognitive dissonance or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, again, anyway, so the second time you, third time, I guess you meet S.H.I.E.L.D. guy, he is beaten up, like Thor's really beating the tar out of him. And the boy is like, let's just kill him, right? And like, this guy's, we're gods, we can do whatever we want. Let's just kill this guy. And Kratos is like, we don't need to kill him. Like, he's beat. Right? There's, this, there's no point in this. And he's like, whatever, you know, let's, I don't care, you know, let's kill him. And then, like, right when that's about to happen, like, the S.H.I.E.L.D. guy basically says something about the kid's mom. Pretty nasty. And then he kills him. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's kind of the high point of that. Because then it kind of comes back, like, they bring it back under control, right? Thankfully, yeah. Yeah, they kind of have a moment. They talk, They and then he kind of realizes maybe i shouldn't go around and just do whatever listening to him talk to brock and sindri after he finds out he's a god was just so hard because he was like so eager to talk to these guys every time you meet them like oh cool stories you have to tell me like what and this time he's just like you guys are beneath me you have nothing to tell me that is worth my time and like even when he finds out he's a god like the first thing he wants he's like oh can we go tell them and chris is like no don't tell anybody yeah and they're like, no, let's tell him. And then, yeah, that's like, oh, do you know I'm a god? And basically, like, it's like, oh, start to say something. Like, basically, like, shut up. You know, you you suck. Yeah. Uh, I'm a god. You do what I want. And uh, anyway. So, yeah, you've beaten the two brothers. You've killed them off. And then I guess we could probably fast forward up until towards the end. And then we can talk about some of the extra stuff later. Um. Towards the end, after you've gone through everything, of course, now you've had to find a million different ways to get back to this Jodenheim place. I mean, it takes a long time for you to figure all this crap out. There's a lot. You're flipping giant things around and (laughs) ways to find different ways to get into this place. Finding lost eyeballs. (laughs) Yes. um, It's pretty kind of crazy what you have to do. But it's all like Tyr's plan. Tyr's this giant from a long time ago. No, Tyr's one of the Easter gods. He's like the only one that the giants trusted. Oh, okay, like, yeah, that's yeah. nobody else they would let to Jotunheim, kind of thing. Like he was the one that that they had any respect for. Right, and so you know they there's a, a part where so you're getting towards the end, and you're like, okay, we gotta call the serpent again, whatever, because you find out something you need is inside the serpent, right? That's the eyeball, I think, yeah. Okay, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, it's in the serpent. We have to go get it. So you go in the serpent, and then... No, because the serpent's, like, right at the end. Yeah, and you need okay, a yeah, second yeah, eye right. to yeah. go, yeah, use the bifrost, yeah. So you uh, you go inside the serpent, and then all of a sudden, like, there's all this noise, and the serpent is going nuts, and you get thrown out of it. And basically, here's the final confrontation. And through... All of this stuff, I don't know. This is where I have to kind of go back into some of the extra stuff because talk to me about Valkyries. So, you know, those that play the game will know Valkyries are like these extra fights you can do. You'll get extra bonus stuff, and they're very difficult. Honestly, they're much more difficult than any of the bosses that are in the game. And there's like eight Valkyries, and then there's the queen. The the easiest Valkyrie is harder than the final actual boss of the game. Yeah. Yes, much more yeah. difficult than that. So how many Valkyries did you fight 
I did all of them. I enjoyed the the like lore behind each one, like learning who they were and that kind of thing. So I went through all the Valkyries. Except for the Queen of the Valkyries. Yeah, I, I tried Sigurd once after I found the like council where they had all their chairs and I was like, I'm gonna have to grind a ton and like respec and I just don't have that kind of energy left at this point. I, I enjoyed the game. I don't I felt like I'd have to put another five to ten hours in to do this one fight to get prepared for it. And I didn't know if I'd enjoy that much more time with it. So I wanted to leave it on a positive note. So yeah, I just didn't finish the final Valkyrie. I wonder if you'll know this next part then, but I guess we should say going back towards, as you're going towards the end, you have to go to Helheim again. And in Helheim, the second time you find out because um, you have to, it's in hell. So you interact with like your past and you Balder is there reliving this scene with his mother and you find out that his mother has made him where he can't die but he didn't want that like he just didn't not just can't die can't feel anything right and so she's basically pushed this on him and he's very unhappy about it right it's like driven it basically almost driven him crazy like you've robbed everything from me yeah he like he doesn't get like pleasurable feelings or pain like she's trying to protect him from pain but he's like he's like i can't be with a woman i can't you know have a great feast like nothing brings me pleasure yeah where he's just wanted nothing to do with his mother because that's like a horrible curse that she's left on him but she did it because she loved him and didn't want anything bad to happen to him so you find that out and this is also the part where uh the boy finds out about your past because while you're there um the whole thing with Zeus comes up. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the boy learns about you've killed your father, who is Zeus. And you have to kind of explain that. And you're like, thank God this is finally out. So I don't hear any more about these stupid innuendos about, boy, wouldn't it be really bad if I killed my dad? You know, that kind of stuff. So um, you're into this last fight and you find out it's Balder, right? Of course it is. That has caused a problem with the snake. And so you have to fight Balder, but um, throughout this you know, discussion with Balder and his mother, that's when you find out that Freya the witch is his mother. But really, she's not just a witch. She's actually a goddess. And she's a, a goddess that had married Odin. But Odin, to get what he Tre- wanted treated her. her poorly <laughs> yeah basically treated her like trash and tricked her into basically imprisoning herself in this realm and giving up most of her power what you find out with all the valkyrie fights i don't know if you got this far because they give you little bits of it every time you kill a valkyrie and they give you the last of it after you kill the last queen of the valkyries is that the queen of the valkyries you fight is not the queen of the valkyries Oh, no, I didn't know that. I, I just assumed she was a corrupted version of herself. Well, everybody thinks they are that she is, but she explains at the end that, no, Freya is the queen of the Valkyries. Ah. So you find that out at the end. Not only was she the goddess, she was the queen of the Valkyries. And the Valkyries are there to shepherd people to heaven, basically, the warriors to heaven. So she was right. in charge. Because once you kill her, she's like, no, there's no way I could be, you know, I'm not powerful enough to be that. That's, you know, 
So yeah, I wondered if you didn't know that one piece because you don't learn that until right when you when you beat her, and it kind of makes all that click into place. That's a cool payoff for for that work, though. That's neat. It is. So at the end, of course, you're fighting um, Balder, and Freya does not want you to hurt Balder, and so she's trying to break up this fight. Like that's she's just constantly trying to break up this fight, and you guys are just going at it like two kids beating the living tar out of each other. But again, since Balder really can't hurt, be hurt, you're like, you can tell like Kratos is having a rough time of it. It's not. And and Freya's trying to break up the fight by reanimating a dead giant and like using his dead body, like his arms, like flinging around, trying to prevent you from fighting Balder. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Goes through a lot of things. Um, And then you get to a certain point where, you know, like Baldur's basically gonna, um, like you've beaten him down, right? Like you've beaten him down. He's not dead, of course, but you've just beaten him, the tar out of him, mm-hmm. and basically where he's given up. And so you're gonna walk away, and at that point in time, you know, Freya's basically like, "Oh, my son," and all this stuff, and he's like, "I hate you, I hate you," and he he's gonna kill her. And so that's why he's like, I just hate you so much. And I just want, you know, I want to, you want you to die and for what you did to me. And she's like, you know, if that's what you need to do, if that's what will make you better, then go ahead and kill me. And so that's it. He reaches out and he starts to choke her uh, and he's going to kill her. <clears throat> and Kratos is kind of walking away and, and of course the kid is not happy about any of this and so you're like okay fine i'm going to intervene here and so he goes back to balder um and breaks it up i hope i'm remembering this the exact right way but then balder's going to hurt the kid and when you think that balder's he's attacking the kid and he comes back off of him at one point in time, and he's got blood on his hand or whatever. And, of course, you're thinking, like, he's hurt this kid. And the kid goes, that's not my blood. And so for a minute, he's kind of amazed that he can feel anything. And you find out it's that piece of that green arrow that was on and whatever. It wasn't mistletoe, but whatever it, it was. It was mistletoe. It wasn't mistletoe. It was. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was something like that. And it was tipped, and that somehow can pierce the magical barrier. And so by doing that, now he's mortal. I think actually I've got it wrong. That was like right before he's going to choke her, right? Yeah. I think that I think, actually happened a little bit before that. Uh, yeah, it happened sometime during like the. He's got like two life meters. I think it's after you finish the first life meter, he might attack Atreus and get the cut. It's, it's really close to right before he chokes her, I think. Right. But anyway, after all this is done, you're like, okay, he's beat. He's done. And he's choking her out. Yeah. You're yeah, like, so, yeah that, it definitely is. Because even though the curse is broken, he, he could choose to just go live his life now. But he still wants that revenge, even though he's he's out of it now. Right. And that's kind of crazy thing. Like, it's done. Right? It's done. And so once he starts choking her out, Grace is like, nope. And so comes up behind him and snippy yeah, like snap. Freya helped him save his son. So like he's feels he owes her like a debt. 
even though it's not the debt she wants him to pay. Yeah, so he comes up behind Balder, crickety-crack his neck, and Balder is is dead. And she is very angry. Um, she is basically like, I will chase you to the end of the earth, and I will make your life miserable, and she is very, very, very mad. Um, which is kind of weird because, um, you didn't see any of those sides until like towards the end, which makes sense. I guess this mother and her child, right? Um, but it's a story of sacrifice and trying to make a dysfunctional relationship right. And, uh, again, you've killed her kid no matter what. And, and Kratos kind of explains that. It's like, you know, I killed her son, you know, of course she's going to be really angry and upset and and Kratos seems to think that give her some time and she'll be okay I'm gonna probably guess that's not the case um, yeah I think but, Mimir even said that he's like that's not likely <laughs> yeah so I mean basically like okay that's the end of the story right now we can go and spread mom's ashes finally right nobody's gonna bug us anymore we can go to this land and we can do it so you do that you go there to the land of the giants and when you're when you first get there, you have like this little palacy place you have to go through. And throughout the whole game, like you can't read any of this writing, but your son can. And um, he learns even like another language as a part of the story. Um, mm -hmm. But as you go through, it's like, oh, there's things. And so he's like stopping and reading them. And as like you go. him and Mimir have a conversation, a couple of them in the boat, I think, where they talk about the languages specifically. And they're after he found out that Atreus is a god, he's like, well, what am I the god of? Like, he's like, we'll have to figure that out. And Mimir kind of a couple times, he's like, you're picking up like languages really quick. Like he can speak to uh, Jorgenmander, which no one but Mimir can do, like, and never has been able to do. And so he's, he's like, I think you, like, that's probably what you are the god of, like some kind of language or, or intelligence, something, something along that line. So you're going through this temple at the end and basically the it breaks it down like this is the history of the giants is what's going on here. And that's at the point where you learn, you kind of as you're going through like, wait a minute, this is like, hey, this is what we did over here. And this is, hey, isn't this, this is just like this. And so your story that you've been playing through is already on the walls. That's kind of like, like it's been old and ancient. Yeah. All right, so your story has been foretold, basically. And you get to a certain point where you realize right towards the end of before you're about to go out that your mom was a giant. His mom was a giant. And she, being a giant, and her dad, being a god, makes her son half giant, half god. And it seems like Kratos didn't even know any of this either. Like she had kept yeah. all of this from him. And so you kind of like, okay. And then you pick up some other little bits, but he doesn't mention that until the very end. So as you climb out of there, like you're finally at this peak, but what you see out and around are all the dead giants. Like all the giants made it to this place, but they're all long dead. They're laying across the tops of these mountains and things and... So you get the idea, like, all the giants are gone. Like, your wife was probably the last of the giants, which 
I still don't understand. I, I know earlier in the story they say oh, not all giants are giant. So, it's just like not all dwarves are dwarves. Some of them are dragons. I guess, right? But you're like, but like so, uh, so the mom Mander was normal sized? Jorgenmander's a, a giant still. Like there's that one giant on Earth still. Right, but I think that's the silly idea is like all the giants were actually giant except the mom. Like, what? how does that make any sense? I'm sure there were other ones on Jotunheim. Like, if you had the opportunity to go explore, like, you can just see the ones, because you're on top of a mountain, you can only see the ones that are big enough to see, right? I'm sure there's smaller ones scattered around, too. Maybe, maybe. But, of course, so then you you scatter the ashes, uh, finally, after, like, a kajillion years. And uh, as you're walking back down the mountain, um, that's when the sun talks about his other name that he learned when he was going through this old temple, right? And that name is Loki. Yes. Yeah, so right at the very end, you find out that your son is Loki. Of course, they don't know what that means or anything about it. They're just kind of like, huh, you know, face like, Oh, that's neat. You have a different name to the giants. Um, so obviously that's going to lead into the next game. Yeah, well, because of the the age of him and, like, he hasn't been around with these gods and stuff before, like, this is not, like, Norse mythology Loki. Like, this is their version of Loki. It's going to be very, very different. Right, but, I mean, they've stuck pretty close with a lot of the other stories, so we, I think we have to believe at some point in time he'll become that trickster kind of Loki. I don't know. I, I think they could do their own very different take because like at this point in the story loki should have like children and stuff and like <laughs> been tortured by odin like all sorts of crazy things that that have happened back then but uh who knows yeah i like i think they can play around with it and do their own version yeah so i mean that's kind of where the game leaves off although it's like um you know you have the happy ending roll-up thing obviously that you know the brothers dwarves get together and the you know everybody is you can go explore the world and do things and well there's there's a couple key points after they get back actually um what is it called uh fimble winter i think Oh, that's um, right. Yes, starts which is which is like, right before Ragnarok. Yeah, right? it's the precursor to Ragnarok. So they're like whatever they have done has like triggered Ragnarok to happen. Like they're expecting this world-ending event to happen in the next couple of years, kind of thing. And that's what Mimir's been talking about the whole time. Every time he talks about Odin and what Odin's motivations are, it's always about knowing more than everybody else, knowing the future, so nobody can over take him and even though ragnarok is predicted if he can know what happens and how it's going to happen then he can stop it right yeah or he's got an advantage to manipulate it to his favor kind of thing and like they keep talking about jorgenmander and thor like are going to battle again like that's when ragnarok happens like when they have their next fight kind of thing and did you go to your home after all that stuff and like go back to your house with your son I think you there, have to, don't you? No, you can go explore wherever you want. But if you go to your house and sleep, you get another little like ending tidbit. Oh, no, I don't think I did. No, so so if you go home, go to your bed, hit, hit the button. Um, he tells uh, Atreus, like, go to sleep. He's like, I'm way ahead of you. Puts Mimir down. Mimir's like, yes, this will do. Everybody has a rest. Screen goes black. And then like the 
building starts to shake after a little while and a, a hole splits in your roof and Kratos gets up and runs out the front door to see what's going on and there's a dude standing there in a big cloak and Kratos yells something out I'm like who are you and he pulls his uh, cloak back and it, it's Thor he's got the hammer hanging off his belt and there's lightning like rippling all over him and it, it's just a dream though so he's like dreaming of the future kind of thing and he wakes up from the dream and then he can go explore some more if you want Huh, I might have to fire it up just to go do that last little bit so I can, I mean, I yeah. can YouTube it or something. But It doesn't wouldn't take long. You just have to find the nearest portal warp to your house. and Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the compressed story. It's a very long game. Mm-hmm. Um, much longer than I ever expected it to be. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. It, me too. Like, like I said, when I went up the first time to where Mimir was to spread the ashes, I literally thought, like, this is the end of the game. There'll be some extra little cleanup stuff I can do, but, like, the main crux of it's gone. And I, I was kind of impressed, not just that they expanded it, because usually one of two things happens when, when they do that in the game. I'm either like, oh, more, like, this was a good spot to stop. Why didn't you do it? But I, I was really into the more, so I, I was pleasantly surprised that that there was more to to do story-wise and at what point do you think you went like okay let's wrap this up um it was the it was niflheim that did it for me just like i don't like roguelikes to begin with and this whole area was set up to be like a roguelike so i spent a little bit of time there i got a valdi's armor and and was able to do the whole route and start opening the tears and all the treasure chests and stuff I was just like, I'm not having fun here. I'm going to leave. I still had like two or three tears left, I think. <coughs> um, I got to the top of Muspelheim just to like see what was there. You know, it was a Valkyrie. So that doing it the once was worth it. But then it was like, go back and get the extra challenges. And I'm like, I'm, I don't think I want to do that either. So I left that alone. Uh, and I, I started doing a little bit of side questing. And I was like, I just want to finish the story. And I finished the story kind of left it at that um other than the valkyries so when did most of the valkyrie stuff and see getting the platinum i didn't have to do tons more but i mean i had to do more i mean some were kind of i were kind of kind of doing it already so there's like kill all the like those birds like odin's eyes or whatever i had already been i'd already been killing them anyway so there's a few more to track down that wasn't very hard so. I think I had like somewhere in the 30s when I was done. So there was like 50 some of them. 51 or something yeah. like that I think yeah. you had to get. <clears throat> so I probably would have had to look up a walkthrough to find the ones I missed. And I don't know if I wanted to do that. By the time I got to the end, I think I only had two that I had to go back and find. Oh, nice. So it wasn't that big of a deal. So I, that didn't bother me. Yeah, if it was only um, two. Like the, I had like 15 or 16 to go though. Yeah, I, most of them I felt found organically, so that didn't feel like too much of a slog. Oh, nice. Um, you You're had to upgrade all your. You had to upgrade all your weapons, um, you know, to the top tier, and to do that, you had to do all the extra stuff. I will say, like, um, yeah, I'm not gonna get the names right. So the fiery lava land. Um, That's who I am. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that one you had to go through once. You fight the Valkyrie, and then you have to go through again. And then when you fight them again, you earn keys. And then those keys you use for a special battle at the top, and that's a timed battle where you get ranked. So you just kill as many people as you can in this certain time range, and you're ranked on how many you kill in that time range, and that's based on what rewards you get. So it's really not that bad. Um, And you only have to get, like, I think, 
three keys to open that at the top. And there's like, what, five different th- fights you can do. So mm-hmm. you can pick the ones you like best. You don't have to do all of them. Okay. But after you do I the top... you had to do them all, so... And when you do that top tier unlock, you do lose your keys, though. So if you want to do it again, do another run. You have to get three more keys and do it again. So I only did the extra run once. That's all you needed to do. Um, but I will say, I probably had some of my most fun playing that those levels, those challenges, because most of them were really cool. Um, there's, like, the one where, like, uh, regenerating health. Like, all the enemies regenerate. Kill them in the circle. <laughs> Yeah, but like the regenerating enemies ones, I actually was one of my favorites because, so you learn like, okay, weapon attacks, just forget it. So what you learned was just all fists. And because if you hit them so many times, they stun and you just like tear them apart, right? So like you just have this huge fight where you're just beating the living crap out of everything and ripping everything apart and slamming things all over the place. And it's, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and then you have the fights, yeah, like kill things within the ring. And again, a lot of fun. The only one I didn't like was there was one where it's like, um, don't take any hits. And the first time through that, I was like, oh, okay, this is not too bad. Like, okay, I, I kind of get what I need to do. If you want to go through that a second time, it's long. And at the end, they give you one of those um, stone guys that you have to hit in the chest. Uh, he so spits little grenades out. Right. And that's very hard to do that without getting hit once. So, but again, you don't have to do all of them. So I just skipped that one. I just did the other ones and away I went. So I had a lot of fun with that. I liked the combat. Most like it, once I got to the end of the combat, I really had fun with it. Um, you get this upgrade if you do like all the extra stuff. Like I did all the Niflheim stuff and everything. And I killed all the Valkyries. There is this um, uh, thing that you get towards the end. It's like one of those amulets or whatever. And what it does, it makes your axe throw, the light axe throw, like really strong. (laughs) And so you can just suddenly do like tons of damage with that throw. And so, you you know, it was a lot of fun to use that too because you're just (laughs) thunking it into guys and pulling it back and just doing a lot of throw stuff. So it's all totally superfluous. You don't need to do any of this stuff to beat the game. You could easily have done it. But um, I will tell you, like, all those Valkyrie fights, they all like, each have their own specific spin. Like, this one does these things, and this one does these things. And the last one can do everything. all the things. Yeah. yeah. It's like, she can do everything, and plus has, like, a ton of health. And so it really forces you to... A, again, learn the boss's patterns really well. But hopefully you should have picked up on most of those by fighting them in the first place. Yeah, like, because there's eight of them. Like, you kind of, you have a pretty good grasp on them by the time the eighth one's dead. Yeah, but on this one, it was really about health and rage management. Um, so basically, for me to get through it, it was go in full, right, with rage. Um, and take the thing that brings you back to life with rage. So I would go in, fight as much as I could. Usually I could get her down to maybe like half health or a little under that. And then when I'm about to die, um, rage. Because then you can fill your health back up and you just Mm -hmm. get a lot of damage in. And then by the time I'd get down again, I could come back, rage again, which would build my health back up and then give me enough time. And that's when I could eventually 
killer. But if you didn't manage all that in your health really well, you're going to have a, a really tough time of it. Um, sure. and, I, and I use whatever that accessory, because you had different accessories you could get. I used the one where it would make like that circle around you where you took like next to no damage and you regained health. And that helped a lot too, because you could lure her in there and just, you didn't care at that point in time whether you took some damage or not. And you just wail for a little while. But that was a good fight. And when I was done with that one, I felt very satisfied. Like, okay, it probably took me like 20 times to do it. But um, that was the toughest fight out of the whole game. Bar Yeah, none. it seemed like it. So, before we kind of talk about afterthoughts, is there anything else we missed? Is there any other parts of God of War that we didn't hit? I think we were pretty thorough. I think so. So Ragnarok is the next game, right? I don't think it has like a confirmed name, but I think that's the like rumored name right now. Which makes very much sense after that ending. And have they given us an ETA? Is it this year? Is it next year? I'm sure they said 2021, but then they've never said anything else about it. So I feel like it might be one of those COVID delays and get bumped to next year is my hunch. But as of yet, I don't think they've delayed it. So... I, I think it's it was originally planned to be their 2021 like Christmas game kind of thing. So when do you think we'll actually see it? I think, think 2022. I, I think I still think because you know they want to keep the momentum against Xbox. Like if we can have a big uh, release every you know, three four months, whereas they don't get their big one for the first year, like we'll get a really good head start. So I think they really are probably pushing to get that out as quick as they can, especially if they can meet Halo with it. I think is their goal, but I would be really surprised if they're actually able to pull that off. I think it's going to get pushed to next year. Cause, yeah, I cause can see this how... one got so well received. I don't think they want to put out one that's just kind of, eh, I think they want to put out a really quality game again. Yeah. I, I think that they hopefully were probably targeting this holiday. Um, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm not sure. It'd be, since we it'd be seen cool much. if they can stick to that. And like before playing this game, I had no interest in, in Ragnarok either, but now that I've played this and enjoyed it so much, like I probably pick this one up this year if it comes out this year. Well, there's not going to be a lot of stuff to play on your PlayStation Five yet for a while, so why not? No, right? like if if the rest of the schedule is as planned, we should still see Ratchet and Clank sometime in the first half of this year, and we should see Horizon some point in the later half of this year, and then yeah. So I, I think they could afford to push it if they need to because they have those two. But we'll see. If they can put out all three this year, like, holy, that's a strong start. It's good first year. Yeah, so um, I guess a couple things parting out of that that I thought were weird was there was two extra realms in the game that you could never access. Uh, Asgard and three what's extra. the other one? Uh, I was Asgard, there's Vanaheim, and Svartalfheim as well. Okay. So there was like uh, Asgard where the Acer gods live, Vanaheim where the Vanir gods live, and Svartalheim is where the dwarves come from. So we didn't get to go oh, to okay. any of those three. So, which I think, you know, if we're talking about things we want to see in the sequel, I want to see those three <laughs> for sure. Do you think they'll keep the same hub and just add more to it and make those accessible? Or do you think they'll take a totally different approach with it? Or maybe which one would you like them to do? Uh, different. Like, 
like the like you said the world's not huge here so i'd like to see us explore a new area like you know obviously the gods know where kratos's house is so he wants to move you know get him out of there he can go live somewhere else and uh they'll figure out another way to to make sense of uh traveling to different realms i'm sure i it'd also be cool to go have another reason to go to like jotunheim again and actually like make that a meaty chunk of the game uh, a reason to go there and have something something there because all the giants are obviously dead so something else is there to be a be a threat or something interesting to explore yeah it'll be interesting i mean obviously if it's this ragnarok we kind of again we we know where it's going and yeah um, so that also makes me think like places like muspelheim and helheim would have a bigger role as well because they were both kind of smaller areas yeah, you really didn't get to move around in them very much. Um, but I think that was okay for what the story was. It really didn't need to yeah. be very big for what you had to do in them. Yeah, but like they can be expanded upon in a sequel for sure. So, um, I guess final thoughts on God of War. Likes, dislikes, changes? I, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled that I gave it a chance because like, I didn't have interest in it until i had had enough people kind of give me good good reviews of it um so like they did such a good job reimagining the character but still keeping the same character i i honestly don't know what i want in a sequel if i just want more of the same because that's what led us to the problem where god of war just kind of lost interest in it so if they do that again i don't know if i'll lose interest again uh but I, I don't think I want a whole reimagining again either because I really like this version. So I might be okay with just more, at least for one, and then maybe rest it again. I don't know. I really don't know what the answer is, but I, I am quite excited to see what they've got in store for Ragnarok. Yeah, I think, um, I think like I said, I had my, my worries starting off. Um, it was very story heavy. I don't know if I need all that but it got to the point where I could at least enjoy mostly action towards the end. So if they keep that going, I'm, I'm fine with that. I would like to see them expand on the combat more um, because it it did feel a little limited after a while. Um, even though you got some new like specialty moves or things, I felt like the basic combat stayed pretty similar through most of the game, and it would have been would nice you to want- see atreus back in a similar role again or would you want to scrap that or totally do something else with it i don't see how we're not going to get him back you know again because this was so how popular much, how much time do you want to have passed in between them like, is atreus still a kid or is he a young adult now i think with the way they lined it up they kind of have to just kick right into it don't they because <clears throat> if this is the snow time before ragnarok yeah i mean Maybe a few years have gone by, but I can't imagine they can push it more than that. I just thought of something else I want to see. I want to go to Valhalla as well. Do do some, like, wreck some people in Valhalla. All the greatest warriors that have ever died. <laughs> that could be a cool, like, just battle place, right? For that sure. That's your Muspelheim cool in the next that. one. Yeah, you go fight the, the greatest champions of all time. Yeah, absolutely, right? The Valkyries could come shepherd you some... some uh, some bad guys to to whoop up on for sure um i'd also like to see 
some of the like old style like giant set piece bosses like you had you had the dragons here which were cool i'd love to see like you know i don't know surter or something like just enormous man with a flaming sword that you have to fight kind of thing like that that could be really fun and i hope odin's like just out of this world enormous <laughs> like just, just they have some real fun with it i don't know if you know i'll be surprised if we actually get to odin in the next game i would think they'll probably center on thor and then maybe a third one at some point in time would be that final confrontation with odin um but well, we'll i i almost hope they don't stretch it into a trilogy i just want them to do a nice two good two stories and then maybe when they decide to do another god of war rest it for four or five years and then you know he's got a new mythology he's you know he's hindu this time or he's egyptian or whatever they do and aztec they'll, they'll figure out some weird way to get him somewhere else it's gonna start like assassin's creed where he just goes everywhere but hey, uh, works for them <laughs> uh as far as the boy goes um i mean he did lend something to combat and puzzle solving so i i'm okay with that i really um, ended up relying on his arrows quite a bit towards yeah. the last half of the game yeah yeah, me too, because there were some situations where that was always the best path to take, was using his his special abilities and, and stuff to kind of draw. And you had to use, like, for those Valkyrie fights, like, there was, like, certain moves, if you didn't stop them with the arrows, then you were just going to get trashed. You uh, could hit them with a thrown axe as well, it was just the timing was a lot tighter, because you had to, like, stop and aim. Yeah, I wouldn't try that. Yeah. But uh, I, that's how I ended up doing it because I usually was out of arrows because I used them prior to that. Oh, yeah. see, like especially like that last Valkyrie fight, you had to know you couldn't just spam arrows. You had to have them ready when you needed them, or you were just right. going to get beaten to a pulp. But yeah, the rest of the fights, yeah, I usually would just mash like crazy. One thing I could get rid of and not care about again that I was kind of got tired of after a while with those stupid Nornir chests. Yeah, the ones where you'd have sure. to like hit the different things in different places in a certain amount of time. Yeah, that was neat for about three. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And then after about the 20th one, you're like, okay, I'm done. I don't want to do yeah. this anymore. Yeah. So I'd like to see that go away or, or just do a few of them that are interesting. But after you do it so much, you're just kind of like, okay, I get it. I know how to do this. I don't want to do it anymore. It's not that much fun. And it wasn't easy always to line your axe up very well to actually make the shots. So, I mean, you got pretty good at it after a while, but again... Yeah, there's probably you know, a better way to do that. Yeah, I would like to see some. Because, I mean, you can see they spent a lot of time with some puzzles in a lot of these. Especially, like, tiers area where you had, like, all those mechanisms and different things that you had to go through. Uh, I mean, like, freeze things so you could get past. And oh, it was kind of neat. But I'm glad that they didn't spend... It like most of the time for me, the puzzles were just long enough to where they didn't get too much on my nerves and they didn't break yeah. up the action too much. If they went yeah. too much farther with it, I would have been like, okay, you gotta let they, this go. Sony, Sony's got other genre or other, uh, franchises. They can, you know, go more puzzle heavy with on. I totally with you there. Like you just keep them light and God of war. They don't need to be too overwhelming. Yep. And I just don't forget your God of war action first. Right, to me, that should be your guiding star is action first. Um, okay, so um, I hope everybody enjoyed our little talk about God of War. Anything else you want to throw in here before we start wrapping? No, are, are you excited for our little talk on Raised by Wolves now? 
I am, and, and you want to talk about something else as well. So um, yeah, I hope we haven't sure. left you enough time to talk about Raised by Wolves, but let's shut this part of the show down, shall we? I got some time. Which, which part do you want to jump into next? So first off, why don't you do your pitch, and we'll say goodbye to those that don't want to stick around for the Raised by Wolves talk. Sure. All right. So I just want to say, um, since last episode, we launched our Patreon, and I am super thrilled to say we have our first ever patron. Thank and you. It is our buddy Eric from Germany. Threw us a buck a month, which I'm, I'm so like it doesn't sound like much. I'm super thrilled that that someone you know broke the seal and and, and got us started, and, and we really appreciate it, Eric. Thanks for listening to the show for so long and, and for supporting it now and it's really really great to see and we, and we hope i sent you a link to the discord we hope you jump in there and say hi but for all the rest of you um you check us out on patreon.com slash collector cast um we've got some tiers in there with various uh, goodies um and all the money goes right back into the show so we want to improve our quality so so things like better mics um pop filters uh, we want to get to doing the uh, the video stuff more so you know things like lighting and uh, better internet connections and stuff like that all that's the kind of stuff we want to put this money into and we're going to be very transparent about everything so if you're ever curious um, you can always take a look on the patreon page and see what's happening and where it's going yeah and i would just you know eric fantastic guy he's been with us forever we've hung out a lot so thank you we really appreciate it and for everybody else yeah if you're thinking about it i mean uh, toss in a buck i mean it's, it's nothing uh you're not gonna miss it um we'll really appreciate it and i think it's one of those things i mean i don't know about how you feel about it. to me it's like it's the thought that really means Absolutely. a lot yeah to me i mean uh, the dollar signs i mean i do this for fun i'm not you know we have to we have jobs. Nobody is looking to become internet famous or anything else. We're just having fun, and that's all we want to keep doing. But yep. um, it does it does mean a lot. I will agree with that. So if you'd consider it, that's great. And if not, that's cool. We we hope you still continue to listen. Uh, yep. But if you want to chat or you want to hear some Batman talk with uh, Bill and Krabby, I know they are excited to get that going off the ground. So maybe you guys can make that happen. Totally. Well, good. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this part of the show. Again, you can always find us at CollectorCast.com, all your major platforms for catching the show. Uh, Bill is the YouTube guy, so he's working as he gets time to get these shows back up on YouTube for those that you want to listen there. And, um, again, Patreon.com slash CollectorCast if you'd like to support the show. Toss us a buck. Um, that would We'd really appreciate it. And uh, then for those that wish to stick around um we're gonna switch over to some raised by wolves talks everybody else take care and we'll talk to you in two weeks all right so raised by wolves so we're gonna get into (laughs) what this is all about and uh i'm gonna trust maybe kelsey's gonna edit in some music in between the other two pieces so people have turned time to turn this thing off if they're in their car but uh okay so i'm just gonna shut up because i watched this show a couple months ago um I don't know how in-depth we want to get into this. I don't want to spoil everything as much time as we spent with God of War, but since it's fresh in your mind, uh, and I've been talking a lot, I'm, I'm going to say, okay, set the stage. What? Oh, yeah. To tell, talk to me. Hopefully a lot of people have watched this, but maybe somebody's listening because they're interested in the idea. So set the stage of what the show's all about. So 
it's like a, a near future. I think it was like the 2100 somewhere in there. Um, you've got kind of like a alternate reality earth where you've got a group of atheists and a religious group, um, the Mithraic, um, you know, they've, they've got like little pieces. It, they seem quite Catholic, but they're not Catholic. They're, they're a little bit different. Um, so they've, they've kind of ruined the earth, um, like just poisoned it through, uh, like, you know, climate change and, and, uh, poor resource management and stuff like that. And, and there was a war between them and the atheists. The, this planet's unlivable, so they're all trying to get to this Kepler 22b, which is another planet that's inhabitable by humans. Uh, a lone atheist um, is kind of like a genius hacker kind of guy. Um, he he takes a, like a death machine that the uh, Mithraic have made called a necromancer and reprograms it to be like a mother to these embryos, and he sends it on a ship. Uh, with one other caretaking android to get to Kepler as quick as they can. Um, so it's two androids and frozen embryos in a tiny little ship so that they can move fast. Humans can't survive this trip. That's why he's got the frozen embryos. Uh, whereas the Mithraic have built this enormous ark and they're loading it with, you know, a thousand of, you know, quote unquote, the chosen ones. And they're flying to the same planet. But because they have human life to support, they can't uh, go at the speeds to, to beat the atheist ship there. So the first episode, you know, covers a lot of years where it's like the, the kids, you basically, basically the first 10 years after it's landed on, on, uh, on Kepler. And then at the very end, you know, the arc arrives as well. So you've got two groups, both on this planet. One of them has been there for about 10 years not as successful as you'd hope uh, and this new group just arrived and are sending scout ships out to you know find places to live Did i miss anything so, to like set the stage there well um i know i think that covers it pretty well uh i was just curious did were you aware that mithras worship was a real thing no i wasn't Yes, you should look into Mithras, and um, Mithras was also another ancient religion. Um, How ancient are we talking about? We're talking about the times of Christianity, early and Judaism, and and those times, and okay. uh, obviously didn't grow like the other ones did uh, into as much popularity. But um, yes, Mithras worship was so is thing. it the same like they worship Saul like they do in the show or is is it very very no, loosely based on it i think it's loot the idea is loose but you know just like you could probably argue that modern judaism and christianity is not much like they were originally you could probably see how things could could change but i would encourage you look into mithras uh was a god and and mithras worship so they didn't pull this out of nothing but again alternate timeline but okay. um yeah, I'll just say that you look into Mithras worship and you'll see how it also parallels a lot of other things in religions that we're used to. So we'll just say that much. All right. And uh, and yeah, so um, I think it doesn't happen in this episode if memory serves, but um, things don't go well for the Ark that arrives either, right? So uh, 
Oh, it happens in the first episode. Okay, right? I was trying to remember Cause, back because I was. I remember watching the show, and you know, I I like the premise. That that's kind of you told me about the premise, and that's kind of what sold me on the show. I like I like sci-fi to begin with, so all I need is a cool idea to like at least give it a try. And so I'm watching it, and I'm like, it's okay. You know, I'm not in love with it. And then the last like five minutes of that episode is like, okay, I gotta watch at least one more now because mother the the necromancer that's been reprogrammed takes this like the, the shuttle that the landing that this scouting crew from the from the ark came down with flies it into the ark you know is exploding people left and right to get to the control like, room liquefying people yeah <laughs> and so she takes five kids out of you know many more than five throws them on the little shuttle takes them out and while she's leaving she crashes the ark into the planet and just like murders everyone that's on this arc it's just yeah they wild go, last five minutes yeah they basically go from the thousand or so down to i mean to probably a couple, like dozen, a couple, tops, couple dozen. Like, yeah, yeah there's almost no survivors because um, yeah, because there's there's i think they mentioned three scouting ships that have went out so she's murdered everyone but one of the first scouting ship that landed near their settlement and so we there's two other ones that are about in other areas so yeah, very interesting, right? And um, and boy, does this show take some weird turns as it goes. It but is. I mean, that's a, it's a good setup. And so yeah, they start off with the kids. They they raise however many embryos. There's like probably eight of them or something like that to begin. There were six in the first batch, okay. I think. And then later on, like several episodes later, you find out there were more, and you find out why they didn't come to term as well. But all these children, they die. Right? All of them but one, Campion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They all slowly die. And they can't seem to figure out why they're all dying off. And they do find out later, but not in the first episode. You're just learning, like, mm-hmm. this is... Campion is the last. He's the one that's kind of made it, and the rest of them... One, the first one kind of seems to get lost... And the other ones just slowly kind of wither and die. Get sick, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's a slow death. It's not, uh, you know, it doesn't happen to them quickly. And they're young kids, and it's difficult for them, as you could imagine. Yeah. And mother and father are the two androids, and they were programmed very specifically to raise them as atheists, right? And. They talk about, like, she's teaching them all of these, their history and how this religion is bad and what it did to the world and why that they have to stay away from this stuff and et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, she goes and rescues these kids because she needs more kids, basically. But, of course, these kids um, are, well, to a degree, believers as well. They were raised in this stuff. Yeah, there's, like, one exception to that yeah the rest of them are pretty devout well i mean there's one couple super devout i think one the oldest kid is kind of like i think more manipulative that's kind of like whatever i'll use this however it suits me um there's the one kind of high-ranking kid who i think totally buys into all of it and then there's the non-believer and then the other ones seem to be kind of fluid right they can be swayed yeah, there's the young girl. I don't think she's really decided what she is yet. 
yeah yeah they can kind of be swayed a little bit but basically the way the way they've survived is um i guess the idea was they were going to land in this one spot kind of set up shop and then move to this other part of the world that was going to be more the tropical zone habitable but they never made it right they never made it out of that and they, they only have one food source that they could find for the kids and it's like these I don't know, like tuber-looking things that they dig up, Giant right? potatoes, yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of like it. It's like all the food source they have until later, right? They do find another food source. So, yeah, that kind of sets it up. And the mother, again, having come from, like, this death machine, necromancers, what they call these androids that can fly and just liquefy people the way she turns that on or off is by taking or out these special eyes which is kind of creepy right yeah especially when she wears them in a bag around her neck after a while (laughs) yeah so she can take out like her regular eyes and put in these super eyes that basically activate her and then she's got the superpowers but if she doesn't have those eyes in she can't do all the the stuff yeah and uh they're kind of a nice nuclear family at the beginning, but I guess of course things don't really stay that way very long, right? Um, and so then on the believer side, then you I think probably the second or third episode you start learning about this couple that came along in the arc and kind of their backstory, right? And yeah. then probably the other main characters in the show, for sure. So they're also atheist from Earth who have kind of manipulated their way onto the ark they they found two people that were cleared to go on the ark who look similar enough that they get some pretty painful anesthetic-less plastic surgery to look very much like these people and take their place on the ark and so they're they're you know infiltrating the mithraic so that they can survive um but during this, I think they said it was a 13-year uh, hibernation they're in to, to travel. Um, they're in like a, like a, like a, what would you call it? Like, like a, a mental simulation. simulation. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like so the Matrix, right? Think of like so, something yeah, like so that. They're conscious with the rest of the people in the arc, like able to communicate with them, even though their bodies are in like a cryogenic sleep. So they, they find out when they get to the arc that they have this couple they they've killed and replaced have a son so during this 13 years like that's their son so they they bond with this kid while they're traveling to the planet so that when they wake up they're all the same age they were when they left earth but they've got like this 13 years experience on them so it's a pretty interesting relationship now because they the husband is like a high-ranking military man who people look up to and so he's kind of kind of fake that the wife during the 13 years has like taught herself to be a doctor basically. And after this crash, like she's very valuable because like, she's the only living doctor and the son, you know, knows something's up with them right away. Cause they're being more affectionate than his real parents were. But I think he kind of grows to like that. And so he kind of, you know, develops a strong relationship with them. And, uh, they, he's one of the kids that, uh, the necromancers taken so they are very adamant that they need to save the children because they know their their sons there um so that that was a really interesting uh, way to bring the groups back together after they got split up too i thought 
And I guess a couple things we mentioned, forgot to mention is that by the settlement where the androids and the kids are, there's these giant holes that are in the ground. And the only place where the food will actually grow is where these bones of these giant like snake-like creatures were. That's the only place they can grow food. But they don't know. They think these creatures are extinct. They've never seen one. And they figure these holes are where they lived before. But they've never seen a live one. And yeah, and that's the thing is like so this they survive and there's they've these... never seen alive anything on this planet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not plant life. And they, the believers, the Mithraeans, um, have a whoever their highest ranking person is with them, kind of like has to take charge, and they treat them kind of like a high priest, right? And so he, what, like his word goes, he gets to command them and they do whatever they want. So obviously these people want to go after their kids. This guy doesn't have any kids. He's not too excited about going all over the place and looking for kids, right? No, he knows there's a necromancer there too. So he thinks, you know, it's not worth the risk. Like we might not survive this. So there's some conflict in that very small group already uh, about priorities and so they're hiking out or out there looking for resources and arguing about what they're going to do. But then they stumble upon an artifact, I guess. Is a good obelisk? I don't know what you'd call it. Yeah, it's just enormous. Like, what shape is that? It's like a D20, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, maybe like a yeah, many-sided dice. Yeah, that's a good yeah. way to think about it. But it's this black almost like obsidian looking thing yeah and um and they think there's significance in it right they see this thing and they think oh man this is it's very significant something that's been prophesized about in their in their holy book and they find uh, a hole in the side of it and uh somebody decides to check out the hole right didn't work out too well for him does it no they, they basically get burned to a crisp um, in this hole. and But it's very warm. This thing is putting out a lot of heat. And so the, when the night comes in this place, it's very cold at night. And they don't have any shelter, so they're all huddled up next to this thing for warmth at night. And then those arguments start to come apart a little bit, and you start to find out that the guy that's in charge seems to kind of know something's up, right? He, he pulls the wife up, up over and, you know. He's can, figured out they aren't who they say they are. Right. He's He's got his suspicions about what they're doing. And so she, of course, tells him, and then he's kind of in survival mode and basically tries to take on his leadership. And uh, I don't remember the exact bits of it. I know they get in a big fight and argument. And uh, isn't it that he pu- he puts his arm into it? Uh, the the guy who's uh, infiltrating them, um, yeah, pushes him into the obelisk, and he lights on fire, which is his opportunity to take control of the group. Even though he's not the next highest ranking official, he can claim. Soul made that happen. Soul speaking through him, kind of thing. Right, but at some point in time, like he actually 
puts his arm into the obelisk it doesn't die right like and that proves because he's having this weird like fever dream basically like soul is talking to him and he like he is like he literally thinks god is speaking to him Mm -hmm. and in his dreams and he i don't remember all the circumstances but he puts his arm in there and it doesn't kill him so they're all like, oh my gosh, he's the guy, right? Uh, you know, Saul has chosen him. You know, obviously, like, it killed the false guys and left him okay. But, like, he is mental, not mentally st- stable at all. You start figuring out really quickly, right? He, which is weird because he's been an atheist this whole time, and now he starts having these delusions. Um, but you don't know. Are they delusions? Right. You don't know as the person, kind of, as the viewer, if are th- are they delusions or Cause, yeah because at first he just like says like i'm hearing things and then later on you hear them too as the viewer right and so you're having to try to figure out is this all in his head is he going crazy or mm-hmm. is there a higher power that's interfering in this and you don't really get to find out right? I mean, it doesn't really ever clarify no, not at all and, and there's another guy who survived the crash who was like a, a rapist on the ship while they were traveling. He was doing nasty things while they were in cryosleep. And he claims like the same thing happened to him. Like he's like, I heard Saul talking to me. And then he just stopped. Like, I don't hear him anymore. And he, like, he told me to do these, these bad things. Yeah. And this guy, the rapist guy, uh, like his punishment, they stick this helmet on his head and he has this guard ro- android that follows the, the him leash. around. <laughs> yeah, and if this android gets too far away from him, the helmet will crush his head. Yeah, so 10 that's, feet. And, um, yeah, it's very interesting. <laughs> so at, at one point in time, uh, something happens to the robot, so they're like strapping him him the robot parts like his back or whatever right yeah he's just got the head in a backpack he's like no he's not 10 feet away you know i can move around a little more freely but they're really suspicious that's one of the first times they get really suspicious because he's he doesn't want to kill this rapist guy he's like no just leave him leave him alone Um, yeah because they go back to the ship he's like we can use him as bait when we have to deal with the necromancer like he can go out first and we can see what happens kind of thing right so they say okay let's I guess we're skipping ahead there at some point, but there's okay. Let's now the guy is free to take the group and go after the kids. And that's what they do. Um, because again, their son is there and they are going to get the kids. But in the meantime, the mother robot has found something else while she was out. Right. Are we talking about the the sim pod? Yes. Okay. So she was a bunch of while she was out and about because nobody else is allowed to go anywhere. Basically, she's the one that can go places, and father and them she can fly, so she she can move quicker than the rest of them. Yeah, they have to all stay home, and like she's much more developed than father is. Father is more of like a basic android, and she's got special programming and things. So while she's out and about, after all this stuff, she finds like this leftover piece of the ship that crashed or whatever and it's this pod to get people into the matrix or whatever it is from that cryo sleep in the ship and so she decides to plug into it which for some reason i can't understand why in the first place why she would choose to do that she was following tally who is one of her deceased children 
or the one that went missing the ghost of tally or whatever. yeah and so they used to make these little like stick like dolls to play with so they had some toys and she found one of those dolls in the pod so that that was what drew her to it originally yeah because you keep there's all these little pieces where the girl that's the first girl that had died well they think died because they just she was gone yeah they saw like footprints up to the edge of one of those like big pits and uh-huh. never found her Right, and so like, there's all these little places in the show where you just like see her running by and like saying something afar in the distance, but nobody ever can really find her or catch her, mm-hmm. and you don't know again is it she really there or are they delusional? But yeah, she decides to jack into this thing, and basically she goes back through her memories uh, and relives kind of the time that happened before all of this stuff because that had been erased in her mind not erased he said he archived it in case they needed it but she wasn't going to have like direct access to it and so yeah she finds out about her past and that her creator uh so this atheist guy that had this plan to begin with that hacker guy you're talking about and how they really kind of form a loving relationship but he still has to send her because and he can't go right he's gonna die Um, because she wants him to go away but he's like he's already gonna die anyway from something else yeah and he says he can't survive the trip anyway right so um but he says you know don't worry i'll take this away from you because basically that's it right he'll archive these memories so she won't have to have this you know hanging over her head over the trip she can focus and everything else but of course this all comes back to her but also like the whole time she's in there there's like other twisted things that are happening um yeah because like i said this show is like part sci-fi part horror it, yeah i like the way you described it i thought it was going to be like hard sci-fi like it gets pretty fantastical at times and like you said some horror and went to places that i wasn't always interested in seeing unfortunately yeah, especially like the cliffhanger, which we'll get to at some point in time. I was kind of like, huh? <laughs> but anyway, um, so you take it from there, all right? I'll let you talk for a little bit. I'm talking too much. So yeah, they've <laughs> that's what's going on. Okay, so she's yeah, she's meeting Campion, her programmer, she's getting all that in. Um, the Mithraic take over the camp while she's in in the pod one day, and. Uh, you know, gain control, get the children back, um, shoot father up, and then they, they kind of reprogram him to not be father anymore, to take care of them. And uh, so the kids kind of grew a bond to mother and father while they were waiting to be rescued. And to varying degrees of, of the children, they're, you know, pretty sad about what happened. They like mother and father, and they want them back in some form. So having father around in his new state is really hard for all of them, especially Campion who's lived with them for his whole life, which they've actually locked in a silo until he takes this baptism that they're trying to force on him. <clears throat> we missed a huge key point though, too, is after the ship crash, there are other creatures on the planet that they didn't know about before. They're, they're kind of humanoid. Like they kind of look like if you took Gollum from Lord of the Rings and like stretched him out longer <laughs> with a beak. Big, yeah. He's big, creepy naked things, uh, crawling around. And so 
knowing they can't f- they, they find out the food they've been feeding the kids is uh, slightly radioactive that's what killed campion's brothers and sisters and somehow he grew up uh, immune to that so they can't feed these tubers to the new kids so they are desperately looking for new food sources and you know there's these creatures they have meat on them that's a new food source so th- there's a few a couple episodes story arc where they're trying to capture them and, and convince the kids to you know butcher the kill them and butcher the uh creatures for their meat which ends up being pretty disturbing and sad when it finally happens yeah because like campion's basically a vegetarian right he doesn't want to kill this thing he doesn't want to eat it and like the none myth- of the kids want to kill them but then like, you know they start getting pretty hungry yeah but the mithraean kids when it's time to eat them 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 and campion's like i don't want to eat it i'll find something else i'm not gonna eat yeah. it yeah yeah and he so does he, um, right he finds some fungus that like growing down the like the pits um, which is so very dangerous to collect but he's happy to eat it when it when they have it um beyond those creatures too we're also introduced like the thing that we thought tally was like it seems to be some kind of devolved human i think they called it um because these the later the show goes they start finding evidence of like you know something lived here before something intelligent lived here before where are they now there's a you know devolved version of that still living here and i and i'm still not sure how it relates to the thing that's trying to be tally if it is just one of those and they're just seeing what they're projecting on it or if it's impersonating tally or if tally's alive in some form no idea what's going on there it's it's still very confusing yeah and that's probably this whole back and forth thing with the kids and stuff that's probably takes up the first half of the season because the second half of the season goes in some really totally different weird direction about yeah, pregnancy it, it kind of started to lose me a bit in the second half to be honest so not sh- as mother was in the pod she had cyber sex with her creator she thought and got impregnated memory yeah yes through and thought she got impregnated while she was inside this matrix thing that's what you think um eventually of course you learn that's not the case um and she also has some very trippy parts in that as well where she's like seeing these creatures and like this head inside of a thing and yeah she's having hallucinations or visions or something yeah um so she ends up pregnant and she's so a robot yeah yeah right an android but she's pregnant so she's talking about this but she's got a like all of a sudden it basically it turns her into a cannibal you could tell she's like looking at these kids like because that's it. She gets blood, and she's like, "Oh, blood!" You know. Yeah. What? She, she's she's injured at first, and she's got this baby. So she's draining other androids from the wreck yeah. just to get their fluids in her, thinking that'll sustain her. But it's not really doing what she wants it to. And then she kills a yeah, creature. Gets, kills a creature and puts the, the creature's blood into her, and like that's what her body wants. Yeah, and so when she gets back, you know, you can almost tell that she's almost like. You could tell not exactly, but almost like maybe I get to kill these kids and get their blood. I mean, you almost get that impression for a minute. The, there's definitely a scene where that bloodlust taking over, where the uh, one of one of the kid children's also pregnant, 
and she's run away from the rest of the group and she finally finds mother and she's so excited she's like mother you're alive and mother's like get out of here like i can't control myself like you need to leave so this girl's like kind of sent off by herself again right and so mother uh and i think there's a couple of them that are with her they find rapist guy right (laughs) and to keep mother going and the baby going because they're like oh she's pregnant she's gonna have a baby everybody's really excited they don't really seem to think about like wait a minute why do we need blood and um, just a normal thing right so but maybe they don't like it's an android i don't know what do you need maybe they do need blood i don't know (laughs) so but they basically hook into this dude the rapist guy's head and like basically are sucking his blood out like blood let him yeah they have a tube an umbilical cord connected from him to mother to like drain his blood to mother. Yeah. And he just walks around behind on his, with his cord. Yeah. Yeah. But you could tell he's like, he's not going to last forever. Cause he's, you could tell like he's getting weaker and he's getting weaker of course. Cause like soaking up all his blood and her pregnancy is pro- progressing very, very fast. Right. Mm-hmm. It's growing very fast. Oh, the thing is moving. Um, and eventually, like, they have to kill rapist guy, right? And No, he gets free and starts attacking the girls again. Oh, okay. And two of them kind of work together to get the leash out of his backpack, the head, and, like, throw it off a cliff so it's further than his ten feet. And then his head gets crunched. <laughs> and while this is going on, um, like, the Mithraean people... They're not trusting, they're starting to distrust, because this guy goes from, like, having delusions to thinking, like, basically, like, he's Jesus, I mean, or something along the, those the lines. The king of the planet, he calls himself. Right, like, he thinks, like, he is ordained by God for real. I mean, it goes from an atheist at the beginning of the show to, like, I think I am basically, I'm here to, I'm almost like God incarnate, kind of like whatever, your savior kind of thing, right? You should all follow me. He's getting pretty crazy. Like, everybody sees it. Dude's getting pretty crazy. And eventually they call him on it, right? They eventually, uh, he's out with a couple of them, and this guy that's kind of, was first kind of his champion, and had fought Mm. with his, like his dad had fought with him at some point in time, you know, really just suddenly, like, you're not, you know, it calls him out and almost kills him, but he doesn't quite. But before that, I mean, like he's doing all this stuff, like building a church and there's this big fire. And I mean, it's got some really weird kind of yeah. deep, and creepy religious stuff. is struggling because she loves this guy, but she also feels that uh, maternal instinct. Like I need to protect my kid and you're not safe to be around right now. So she kind of joins the, uh, atheist group with the androids and the kids and she's kind of helping them even though she still wants to kill the necromancer as well so she doesn't really have a spot she fits in but she's surviving with with mother at the moment right and i think she's the one that does like the hookup between the dude and the mother with the blood and everything because she's the only doctor she's the doctor yeah so she's helping with the pregnancy (laughs) yeah the kids kind of (laughs) convince her Cause she was ready to kill mother and like all the kids were like, no, like she's not what you think she is. Like, yeah. So she, she's softening to them for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the dude is going 
full bonkers basically towards the end of it and i mean i guess is there anything else important to talk about before kind of the end of the season i think we wrapped most of it pretty quick yeah i think so so like towards the end um again dude has like the believers have all basically cast this guy aside who thinks he's you know god or whatever you know and so he's all on his own like they leave him for dead but he's not dead and he goes running off and then like towards the end he he runs into more believer people right like there's you find out there's like another arc has arrived at the end of of the season you only see a couple of the people but he gets involved with them basically that's where he goes off to and then at the end this is the weirdest ending i don't know how to explain it or why you go for it you you just saw oh, it sooner okay. than me so you wrap it up better than i can because it's just man it's weird so mother wanders off to give her birth she knows it's time sneaks off and gives birth to like one of one of these serpents they've seen bones of comes out of her and it can fly and it turns around and stares at her and like tries to eat her like it, it grabs her by the stomach and just starts like draining her and father comes in and sees this happening and he's like well throw into a pit and she's like we can't it flies and so he's <laughs> like he's like get into the pod like I'll, I'll help you with this and so they get into the pod to fly this creature down the pit and kill all all three of them into um, basically the center of the planet yeah so the pits like we know they're deep we've never seen the bottom but yeah it's literally like to the core of the planet <laughs> so they're flying this ship straight down full speed into a molten core of this planet and bye you think mother that's... they're saying their goodbyes and they're yeah. oh, okay they're, and... they're getting so hot they're you know malfunctioning before they even uh, get down there hits the core boom you assume that is the end of these three characters you know the, then they cut to some other stuff and then then they come back to this and the serpent apparently has time travel powers too and it like reverses the, the ship back up and mother and father fell out of the ship right no i think i don't think that's what happened i don't think it was how, i think they came out the other side of the planet did they i think they went through the core came out the other side and landed so i took it as because it looked like the serpent was flying backwards i took it as it like reversed that ship back out of the same hole because i thought when it landed it looked like the same foliage that was around when they went in after we watched they didn't really explain it yeah it was having really quick and it's like middle of the night dark too so either one of these could be very true yeah, anyway. like the thing flies like gigantic by now. Like it's like pretty yeah. big. So, so the mother and father fall out of the ship, land safely on the ground, assume they're alive next season. And the ship sitting there and you see it like cracking and cracking and cracking. And then it just breaks open because the serpent has grown so big it can't fit in the ship anymore. And this giant serpent just kind of flies off into the night. Yeah, and I'm just at the end of the season going like, what the heck? I don't even... What on earth? That <laughs> None of that made any sense to me. I mean, I mm-hmm. don't understand what happened. And I'm guessing and that's what they wanted to leave us, but... 
it was it's, it's kind of feels like it's doing what lost did to me where it's just it's adding stuff and adding mystery and adding mystery it's not answering anything i want answered it's just adding more and more because i want to know what that big cube in the desert was I, yeah. I want to know who these people are that are running around. I want to know who lived there before. I want to know what happened to Tally. And they're, they're just like, we don't care about any of that stuff. Here's a new flying time travel serpent. Yeah, and what was up with that, like, it wasn't a cube, but it was also kind of like that same almost shape as the thing that had the head yeah. sticking out it like had, an alien head. It felt like there was a body in it and like the head was coming out the top or something. Yeah. but And there was like a cult around it, like everyone wearing the black robes, like doing some kind of ritual and it was kind of like almost like that same shape as that thing they had found in the desert yeah not exactly similar. but like he and, reminded you and of that. uh paul the the son of the the two mithraic um found these like cave paintings that were like talking about the serpent like coming they had pictures of the serpent like wrapping around the world and um maybe that's a good uh got a war tie-in you have the the world serpent and he he somehow pieced together like we can't go to the tropical zone it's not safe from these uh cave paintings and stuff so but he didn't show anybody or tell them about it he just like we can't go to the tropical zone yeah and uh like there's this part where well, the kid's Paul... like talking to the dad and the dad is wacko wacky and Paul also is convinced that Saul's talking to him yes. as well. Like towards the end, and, you start seeing some of that's happening. Yeah. yeah. And and so there's some prophecy about an orphan on a strange planet is going to lead them to this promised land. And so they're not sure if Paul's the orphan because his parents were killed. They're not sure if Campion's the orphan because he's you know grown up with two androids on a planet with no real parents. They're not sure but if the first... the crazy man is the orphan because right. he his thinks parents he is. also killed. He yes. thinks he's the the one the prophecy, and he keeps saying that to everybody, right? That he is the one that the prophecy is about. But again, like all these other characters, also feel, fall into that same slot. So yeah, yeah. So you're left with like a million questions after, and it went in such weird to write. Like yeah, you're felt like again all the way back to the beginning, like the little girl. Uh, I mean. Again, was it like one of these subhuman creatures was making the dolls just like the girl? Did the girl teach them how to do that? Is the girl with these creatures somewhere? Did they take her? Is that what happened? Because are like, those they, creatures related to the ones they're eating too? Like maybe like because like Campion, they keep finding those little dolls everywhere. Like even when Campion is imprisoned, right, and no one can get in, he finds one of those little dolls. Because, like, he's hearing yeah. voices. He, like, has a then. conversation with his dead sister, yeah. Yeah, and, like, him and that other little boy um, are, like, friends, but also, like, the boy's like, oh, you know, you gotta just, you know, go through this ceremony or whatever, and then we'll be good. And he's like, no, I can't do, you know. And I, I don't know. It was just, like, a show that I have not seen anything like in a long, yeah, I, long time. I'd agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what got me intrigued was like, okay, I don't know what to make of this, but I've not seen anything like it, so I'm going to wallow. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to follow through. And we'll see what happens. And so I don't do you know. know. When, do you know when season two is supposed I to come out? No idea when season two is supposed to hit because this just came out, I think, this summer. Okay. So, I mean, with COVID and everything, who knows, right? Yeah. But um, I would imagine sometime this year. Would yeah, at least be their target. Year. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. There were just so many questions after watching this show. And again, like I didn't know exactly how to classify it because it's very sci-fi in some ways. But there is like that weird horror element to it, like with these snakes, that snaky creatures and all this other stuff. And I don't know. I just, again, I don't know exactly how to classify it. I mean, is that how you would classify like sci-fi horror? If I had to like pick something easy to like search it up in a menu. Yeah. But there's more to it than both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, kind of, I don't know. It's kind of its own little, I mean, I guess it's sci-fi cause it's future set. It's a different planet, but I, I don't know if horror is the right word, but there's definitely disturbing things that are going on. Yeah. Like it's got weird fantasy elements to it too. And psychological stuff. And yeah. Yeah. So you were happy watching the whole thing. Then. I mean, you were glad. You yeah. Watched it. I, I didn't love it. Love it. But it was, yeah, very interesting. Very different. The last half of the season lost me a little more than the first half did. Um, like I said, that cliffhanger, like I, w- I wanted to answer at least some questions. I didn't just want more introduced. So I kind of hope second season comes out and you can tell me if I should watch it or not. Say like they do something cool or they answered one of those things that was not answered in the first season or something. Yeah. I don't, I mean, that's kind of the thing. I don't know if I would put it like in one of my favorite shows ever. I mean, I wouldn't do that, but it was just, it was so different that I just had to keep watching it. Right. <laughs> like I was like, I have no idea where this is taking me. And yeah. that was interesting. For um, sure. I, I just like that's fine when shows do that. I just hope the writers know where they want to take it eventually and have enough time to take it there. Because I've watched a bunch of shows where they just they don't end in a satisfying way, and I I don't know if I want to invest in another show that's going to end like that. Uh, yeah, I know what I know what you mean. Having watched some series in the past that started off strong, or at least were interesting and then at some point in time went way off the rails like that's how i remember like when heroes came out i thought like the first season of heroes was yeah. that great was maybe the first one to do that to me yeah and then it was like lost right after that and then eventually like dexter and game of thrones and, like it just it happens enough that i don't like starting series anymore i want to know when they're done and <laughs> i want to know people enjoyed them all the way through it's like okay now i can watch it it's good to have something that's bingeable that's for sure um, I know we've talked to, you know, I think that last time we both watched kind of a series like was Boardwalk Empire. I know we both watched mm-hmm. all of that and really enjoyed it, but that was years ago. He's back. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. I don't know. Do you watch Westworld? I watched the first season and I loved it. So good. Second season, I lost all interest in that show and haven't gone back since. Third season is different. Um, I maybe, thought like maybe the worth a watch. first season, like it was like a good show. Like you didn't need any more. Like it was a satisfying ending at that point, and I was I was happy with it. Yes, first season hit on all cylinders. Second season yeah. took weird directions. Third one, which like when you tell me the like was themes its own of thing. the two like cowboys, I'm like I don't like cowboys, but I love that season. I love Samurais and Ninjas. Season two is going to be so cool. I'm like, why do I not like this? I don't understand. Yeah, because it just, the things didn't really, didn't seem to matter. Didn't have as much weight as the first season did. And and all the like uh, outside stuff trying to infiltrate in, like didn't interest me as much either. 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I guess that's probably a good... I can't think of anything else that we left out, so maybe some people enjoyed this <laughs> if you stayed around this long to listen to the Light Raised by Wolves talk. I'd say if you like things like this, uh, maybe you should chip into the Patreon because you can get uh, Kelsey and Bill to talk about Batman like this. Uh, I'm sure they would. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't know, if you guys like this, let us know. Maybe we could do some more shows that we watch and talk about. I, if you like something other than game stuff, give us some feedback. Yeah. Uh, WandaVision chat next time. I know. I need to get. I kind of want to wait till like all the episodes of this season are yeah, out, though. I kind of don't want to just watch them piecemeal. It's it's kind of nice sometimes though to have that week to like think about what you watched and get excited for the next one. And I end up forgetting I, little I, bits though, right? Yeah, but then when you start the episode, they're like, "This is what happened last time," and they remind you of the important bits that you need to know about. Yeah, I get it. Well, cool. Well, I'm glad that it was interesting, something for us to talk about. I'll let you know. I'm I'm sorry. I think you had to go through like crazy hoops to actually watch the show, though, Ryan. You had to... uh, my wife, it turned out to be easier than I thought because I, I wasn't going to pay for another service. But then my wife was like, I paid for that service because I wanted to watch Handmaid's Tale. So oh, okay. it, it just happened to be on there as well. So it's like, sweet. Oh, well, maybe check if for some odd reason, if Westworld season three is on that same service and you already have it, watch it. I'd be interested to see what you think. It's different. So. I don't know if I want to jump into another TV series right now. I, I'm really enjoying just movies. I like having this like just contained story, you know, two hours at most. Done. <laughs> okay. Well. Yeah. Malcolm X and. Uh, I've been looking for that. I go. That's not on anything in Canada at the moment to uh, stream. But uh, as soon as it's safe to go out uh, to pawn shops again, I'm going to see if I can grab a copy. Yeah, I'm not sure we'd probably find a dollar DVD of it somewhere. Exactly. So. <laughs> and probably Romancing the Stone as well. <laughs> I guarantee you I've seen that at every pawn shop I went to. Yeah, a dollar is probably the right price. I'll just, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. Well, um, it's been fun. I guess give, give us some feedback lesson if you like this sort of thing. We can try to make something somewhat regular i suppose and uh if nothing else i think we enjoyed watching the show yeah thanks for the recommendation take care guys